For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts. And uh, right before we go to our newspaper review, which we normally do this hour of the morning, Ricky Carruthers uh, joins us on line one. Uh, Ricky is the, uh, Richie, Richie, I beg your pardon, is the National Secretary for Forza. Some big news uh, breaking and about to break in news outlets and, and newspapers uh, all over the country. What's going on, Richie? Uh, good morning. Good morning. morning. Thank you again. Uh, thanks for having me. Um, I, I just maybe start off what, what the crux of the problem is here for, for FORSA and public servants within the local government sector. You know, we, we would argue that, that 10,000 council jobs were lost following the financial crisis. Services were maintained because staff had taken on adi- additional duties, essentially working above their pay grade. Uh, and we know that local authorities suffered the greatest reduction of, of employees during the austerity era, which has resulted in significant grade drift uh, across the local government sector. So for many years now, we've been trying to get the local government management to uh, introduce what's called the job evaluation scheme. And essentially, that's just a process for working out the relative worth of posts in an organisation based on the work that people are doing. Okay, so when, when you say grade drift, is it that a grade is matched to duties and responsibilities and, and must yeah. be paid for accordingly. Yeah, and, and, and what, yeah, so that, that's really it in a nutshell. And, and, and people are working above their pay grade and above their, their job descriptions because people kept the show on the roads uh, delivering local government services during uh, the financial crisis. Now, job evaluation is, is a, just that kind of uh, analytical independent process which is applied across the public and private sector. So it's in the higher education sector and the HSE. Many private sector companies would, would have job evaluation just to ensure that people are being paid the going rate for the work that they're uh, actually actually doing. So we, we have been in a situation where we've been trying to resolve this with the local government management agency. Uh, we had announced uh, industrial action in June this year, but at the last minute, they, they, we made a joint referral with the management to the Workplace Relations Commission to avoid the dispute. Uh, but they blew up after a couple of weeks because the management simply refused to negotiate and, and we, were, we were none the wiser. Um, we've been left with a situation where we, we don't want to do it, but we have to escalate the industrial action in order to concentrate the minds of management. So it's about fairness and equity. And what we did yesterday, Neil, is we wrote to every politician, every councillor, senator and TD in the country, announcing that as of Monday, we will... Um, not to be responding to any non-statutory communications. So we won't be offering advice and support to politicians in, in the, uh, as they carry out their duties because we want the, the local government management to come back to the negotiating table again. So then maybe you can fill in the uninitiated, like myself, uh, as to how this works. You, you guys, uh, as a collective, are the buffer really between the politicians looking for something uh, and, and getting the advice to affect that change or whatever is needed to be done. So you're downing tools uh, and uh, therefore you render the politicians ineffective. Well, I think, you know, that, that's a, certainly a way of putting it. The, the, the indefinite ban on non-statutory political representation, such as, you know, phone calls, emails in written form, uh, will commence as of Monday. So we will not be responding to routine queries uh, of support of information from politicians, uh, there will be further escalation to follow. Follow, like I have apologised on behalf of workers to 
uh, people in the political system about the inevitable impact this will have on the important work they do as public representatives. But we are left with no option. Workers have have taken the decision. So workers across court, for instance, have taken the decision uh, that they want to withdraw that part of their labour in order to focus and concentrate the minds of the management. So it's it's avoidable. Okay, Um, well, what what will it mean, Richie, for for those who are listening to this programme? How will it affect the, the general public? So the, the service is delivered to, to, the, to the court public and elsewhere will continue to be delivered. So the work that we do for, for the general public will continue, but we will not be taking uh, political representations, non-statutory political representations from councillors, TDs and senators when they ask for information about roads or water or housing planning applications. Uh, we will not be taking any um, any of those those calls or responding to those emails if they're non-statutory. So we will continue to deal with the public uh, directly and continue to deliver services to the the the, the public in, in the local authority system. But we will not be doing it through through politicians. Yeah, but is, isn't discommoding politicians on their own just a toothless shark? I, I don't think so. <laughs> if, if the last 24 hours is anything to go by, what we've seen is is that an inordinate of number of politicians respond to Minister Dar O'Brien asking him to intervene. Uh, the, the doll resumes next week. Uh, you know, elected politicians are concerned that they're not going to be able to deliver mm-hmm. their own services to their constituents. I, so I know, I, I I know you have to go at 9.15. I won't keep you another minute. Um, yeah, sure, yeah. You, you, you mentioned this went back as far as the financial crisis, but that was 15 years yeah. ago. Well, was it compounded by the pandemic or something? Uh, no, it wasn't. Con- but but what happened is, is, is that it, it continued to set where people were working uh, above grade. People were kind of continuing to, to deliver services uh, higher and above what they were being paid to do. And, you know, the, 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 the Irish Human Rights and Equality Commission, you know, they would confirm and they have a code of conduct for employers that would state that a pay review incorporating the process of job evaluation is the most effective way of achieving pay parity. So it actually doesn't cost the sector anything to concede the ability for workers to have their posts independently evaluated. And all we're simply after is is fairness and equity like other parts of the public sector. And I would just say this to you, to Neil as well, is that the, the 11 local authorities across the six counties in the north and every local authority in England, Scotland and Wales has access to job evaluation and have had done so for 25 years. Like we really are the poor relation here on a European basis and, and within uh, compared grades across the, the Irish public sector. So there's a resistance in, uh, from local management to resolve a compounding problem and they cannot fill uh, there's, 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 there's a, a recruitment and retention crisis in the local authority sector which would be eased somewhat by introducing a job evaluation scheme. So I can't fathom their ongoing resistance to it and uh, this is uh, unnecessarily um, uh, in, you know, escalating and it is avoidable and we remain available to go back to the negotiating table for solution focused talks. And further escalation is planned if, if you don't get proper engagement? I mean it is inevitable uh, and that would include the complete withdrawal of labour and strike action um, so you know we are serious about it the problem isn't going to go away we, 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 we've waited our time for, for long enough and in fact our members took this decision in your own city uh, when we had our conference in Cork and on the 3rd and the 5th of May, where local government workers from across the country voted unanimously by 85% to take industrial action up to and include strike action in the event that the management refused to resolve this, this, uh, this dispute. So, unfortunate, it is avoidable. 
and we're willing to engage. But come Monday, we, we will not be engaging in, in, in responding to political representations from politicians. Okay, I think you're probably in a unique position in that uh, your your collective, your your group of workers have the ability to really stymie the politicians and uh, and really take the punch home to them. So you, are you hoping for a good reaction here? Yeah, we are. And, you know, our, our, our argument isn't with them per se. They, they can do a couple of very simple things, and this is what, what I've asked them to do. We're asking politicians to contact each local authority chief executive and demand that the management umbrella group engage with us to reach an agreement to resolve the dispute. We're also asking them to write to Minister Dar O'Brien for the local government minister, requesting that he intervene and to pass a motion at council, uh, uh, you know, given their support. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll finish on this. Local government workers aren't just employees, uh, Neil. They're also taxpayers and service users. They rely on local government services and, and, and they fund the system as well. So they, they have a tripartite of interest and we would prefer that this is functional and people continue to do their work. But, but when you're faced with a wall of, of disengagement and, and kind of indifference, we feel that we have to act and, and now's the time to do it. Okay, and you're, so you're sick of not being listened to and this will all kick off next Monday, is it? Monday, yeah. All right. Uh, Richie Carruthers, National Secretary with Forza. Thank you very much. Neil, thank you very much. Thanks very much. Uh, 19 minutes past nine. Let's look at the morning papers. You're listening to the number one talk show in Cork. The Neil Prendeville Show. It's the best in Cork. On Red FM. That's about four or five times he called me Neil, but I hadn't the heart to correct him. I don't care. Um, let's get to the morning papers and the uh, the sad uh, news of the uh, the passing of uh, young eight-year-old Emily Roman uh, makes uh, the Echo front page bereft locals pay tribute to a young drowning victim. Front of the mirror says tragic Emily would have, it's a lovely spelling, E-M-I-L-I, uh, would have turned eight today. Uh, the young girl who uh, lost her life when she was swept away from shallow waters in a sea tragedy would have turned eight today. Uh, Emily Roman described as a, ki- a kind with a bubbly personality, uh, swimming with friends on a Tuesday afternoon at Fountainstown Beach, County Cork, when the tragedy happened. Uh, the youngster's tragic death has left the community of Crosshaven and surrounding areas heartbroken. No certainty of return is the main headline. In the Echo, crash staff must reapply for their jobs. Uh, I mentioned this yesterday because I asked a question, were they in receipt of statutory redundancy? And I was told, yes, they were. Uh, which kind of obviates any need for them to have an entitlement or, 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 or obviates any entitlement itself uh, towards being re-employed. But of course, they are the most experienced. They do know the locals and the children. They have uh, many years of heritage in the workplace there and you would think would be very well placed uh, to uh, tender for those jobs again and to secure them and in that regard I wish them the very best uh, but we're only halfway there Don O'Keefe reporting in the Echo uh, we're only halfway there was the message from former staff at a Northside preschool following news it's to reopen under new management however staff will have to reapply for their jobs the Before Five Family Centre in Churchfield which employed 14 staff and uh, provided preschool services for 100 children. Closed abruptly two weeks ago after five decades at the heart of the north side. Now the centre is set to reopen under new management, but former staff have been told that while they're free to apply for their old jobs, there's no guarantee of reappointment. Um, and you'd wonder how many uh, will be successful, but we wish them the best. A statement issued by Cork City Childcare, CCC, which facilitates and integrates the provision of childcare, named the new provider as Northside Community Enterprises, or NCE. Now, NCE, 
has been providing childcare services on the north side for nearly 28 years. An experienced operator coming in. But once again, uh, the kernel of the issue here is that there is no certainty of return for the former employees and they will have to reapply for their positions. Uh, Cork Teen learned to make vapes on Zoom. Liam Haling reporting, reporting on the Examiner's front page uh, that like a scene from Breaking Bad, a Cork teenager had a full laboratory set up in his room to manufacture cannabis vapes, which were sold online across Ireland and Europe. Uh, when Ryan Lynch was caught in July 2021, he admitted to learning how to manufacture the vapes over Zoom. He admitted making vapes in large amounts for a number of months. Sergeant Garode Davis told Cork District Court he'd a full laboratory type set up in his bedroom where he made all his produce. When Gardy raided his home, he was found with €7,380 in cash, cannabis worth €2,487, uh, three chocolate bars of Pielosin worth €150, Euros, and a substance known as DMT valued at €800. Euros said Sergeant Davis. Intriguing reading. Shane Collins Daly, the solicitor representing the now 21-year-old Lynch, told the court his client was smoking cannabis at the time. Uh, and when the lockdown uh, came in March 2020, he lost all purpose. He ordered cannabis uh, online um, and uh, said, Mr. Collins, uh, curiosity became greater and he or- ordered other ingredients online. He gave it to friends at first, but then things got out of hand, became commercial, I suppose. Uh, sale of well-known cork bars to spark interest. Uh, and it's interesting, the price difference, uh, interesting, the location, interesting, the value of these properties. Tommy Barker, of course, has been the long-standing property editor and reports that a pair of Cork City's uh, centre's most famous hostelries, Electric Bar and Restaurant, and Reedy's Vault Bar, come up for sale this week. Electric, where the city's South Mall meets the Grand Parade, of course, and with a riverside setting, is priced at £2.5 million. And The agent there is Bean Irwin Gosling. It's been sold for one of Cork's highest-profile new generation of publicans, Ernest Cantillon, who is going to concentrate on another new business partnership, Gin and Whiskey Distilling at Kinsale Spirits Company. Uh, also, of course, for sale is the uh, the other bar, which is Reedy's Vault Bar, uh, and that's coming up at a guide price of £1.4 uh, million. And you can read all of that uh, on the front page of the Examiner today. Uh, record Baker September. Hottest day is forecast in weather warning. As bad a summer as we might have been. Met Aaron, or we might have had. Met Aaron issued a 48-hour weather warning yesterday as they predicted the hottest September day on record, the forecasters tipped the mercury to rise to 28 degrees today and pipped the previous high of 27.9 degrees at Shannon Airport in 2021. The status yellow high temperature warning for today and tomorrow um, listed heat stress, uncomfortable sleeping conditions and a risk of water-related incidents. Uh, but the all-time record for September is uh, 29.1 degrees at Tlangau's Wood College in Kildare in September 1906 before modern measuring techniques were used. I'm not sure how accurate that was. Weather presenter Helen Curran said that uh, today is going to be warm with highest temperatures ranging 24 to 28 degrees as reported in our own forecast at the top of the hour. No need for speed. Uh, I feel the need for speed. Uh, What uh, movie was that again? I feel the need. Top Gun, Tom Cruise. Um, Thanks, Claire. Government bid to lower limits after deadly year on the roads. Hoping to speak about this a little later on, a little later on to some of the stakeholders, some of whom uh, who will be affected. 
The government plans to lower speed limits after a devastating year of road crash deaths. Road Safety Minister Jack Chambers said this will have a significant impact on improving safety. The junior minister will bring proposals to cabinet colleagues later this month. It will see the speed limit on rural and local roads reduced from 80 kilometres per hour to 60 kilometres per hour. In urban residential built-up areas, it would be cut from 50 kph to 30 kph. Uh, driving at 30 kph through certain wide-roaded areas um, can often be... You think you're crawling. Uh, I do take the safety elements on board and we'll discuss that uh, a little later on on the programme. Bring back shock driving safety ads, says Varadkar. That's his answer. And to slow down on the school run as well. The Taoiseach has called for a return of shock safe driving ads as he warned that Ireland has gone backwards on road safety. Leo Varadkar was commenting after proposals to lower speed limits on many roads were outlined by a ministerial colleague. Minister of State Jack Chambers, who has responsibility for road safety, said the planned reductions would have a significant impact in reducing the number of serious collisions. Uh, The speed limit review has been ongoing for two years. Um, um, Kind of strange timing then, considering the recent spate of deaths that's just coming out now. It seems coincidental, but if it's in uh, in the planning for two years, then so be it. Two more deaths announced yesterday, by the way, bringing the total this year to 129. There were 25 deaths in August alone. Proposals set to be brought to Cabinet would see the speed limits, etc., reduced from 80 to 60. We've covered that already. But slow down on the school run is another bit of advice. Drivers being urged to be careful as the school year begins with more parents and children using the roads. Let's go to the mirror. Call to means test child benefit and cut kids in in uh, in poverty. Uh, if if we had a two tier system, well, actually, if we cleaned out uh, those from the first tier who didn't need it at all, the very wealthy. Uh, I know. It's going to be a constitutional argument. But Ireland needs a means-tested child benefit system to take more than 40,000 kids out of poverty, it's been claimed. This would help 100,000 households. It would cost 70 million euro a year. Sorry, 700 million euro a year. The Economic and Social Research uh, Institute said ahead of next month's budget. It's called for an overhaul of the child benefit system by introducing the means-tested or second-tier approach. A spokesperson for the independent think tank said child poverty would be reduced by a quarter, equivalent to taking over 40,000 children out of poverty by introducing a means-tested second tier of child benefit. Certainly worth considering, I suppose, though it's going to have its opponents. The Independent uh, is reporting that a large jump in fuel prices has been witnessed, with diesel now averaging 177 uh, per litre. Uh, Brent crude went up as well. Uh, recently, it's hit 90 euros a barrel. Uh, so that would, to me, signal there will be uh, other increases outside of the government uh, levy uh, return or the VAT return uh, in the next month or so. There's been a huge jump in price of diesel. Petrol prices uh, also up in the last month. The cost of a litre of diesel went up 14 cent last month when compared to July with petrol up over 8 cent uh, uh, in the same period. Higher excise duty and surges in the cost of crude oil due to restrictions in supply by Saudi Arabia and Russia, are being blamed for the higher cost of motoring. Uh, Research from a new price comparison site, fuelcompare.ie, found that uh, petrol was averaging 174 across the country at the end of last month, with uh, diesel at 177. Prices have risen sharply at four courts since the survey was completed. The Irish Independent uh, has, as its main story, RTE staff are furious at a 10% pay rise 
for executives. RTE staff have been left shocked after it emerges top executives' pay rose by 10% last year, while the broadcaster uh, recorded a 2.8 million euro deficit. The former executive team uh, took a 10% pay cut in 2020, but it was reversed from the end of August last year. An RT spokesperson said the pay cut had been an interim cost-cutting measure, but some staff and union members at the troubled broadcaster said they were unaware the cut had been temporary. A couple more. Uh, looking to the British papers, the UK Times has on the front page an interesting story. That's why we bring it to you. Uh, warning, your latest gadgets are spying on you in the home. The next time you unload your high-tech washing machine, it won't be just the clothes uh, that have been rinsed. Consumers are being cleaned out of their personal data through modern home devices, a consumer group has found, which has uh, concluded that's W-H-I-C-H, not W-I-T-C-H, W-H-I-C-H, with a question mark after it, which has concluded that smart speakers, doorbells, security cameras, TVs, and washing machines are invading our privacy by collecting more data than is needed. The gadgets are hoarding so much unnecessary information that the consumer group has called them spies in the home. Bose smart speakers share user data with Meta and Google Nest products request contacts and location, which found Esviz smart cameras and doorbells sold by high street retailers, including Argos, had trackers from TikTok's business marketing unit, Pangle, Huawei, Google and Meta, that hoovered up data, the uh, research said. Uh, Arlo, owned by the burglar alarm brand uh, VerySure, Eufy, which is a Chinese firm, and Ring, which is owned by Amazon, all of which make smart doorbells and security cameras, want permission for people's background location. This is not necessary to alert users when their home security system is triggered. But of course, data is the new crude oil, isn't it? And finally, we hope to talk about this a little later in the programme. Bad snooze. Only one in seven fall asleep straight away. There are seven different types of sleeper. Uh, There's out like a light, the ceiling watcher, the clock watcher, the late night scroller, the dancer, the me firsts, and the snacker. The two that caught my interest here are the dancer and the snacker, okay? The dancer tosses and turns and wriggles around in bed during the night uh, without meaning to. That's 11% of the population. And the snacker likes to snack all the way up to bedtime. And if they get hungry, even after going to bed, they pop to the kitchen for more snacks. That's 5% of our population. But the others, out like a light, falls asleep straight away without difficulty. That's only 13% of us. The ceiling watcher really struggles to relax and fall asleep within a reasonable amount of time after going to bed. That's 20%. The late night scroller, self-evident, scrolling through social media right up until they doze off, 31%. The me firsts uh, finally like to be first in bed before their partner has made their way up. And that is 8%. But just one in seven people manage to fall asleep as soon as their head hits the pillow. Uh, But one-fifth who can't nod off Uh, are there as well. Other bedtime habits, scrolling and snacking, of course. And some people who suffer sleep problems, um, there are more that suffer sleep problems than the lucky out-like-a-lighters who nod off within minutes. Uh, A survey of 1,000 people in Ireland found. We hope to get to to that a little later on in the programme as well. It's 33 minutes after nine. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818-104-106. Cork's Red FM. 24 minutes to 10. When I hear or when I read the word eviction, my mind goes back to times uh, and historic times 
uh, that you'd, la- you'd kind of only have read about when people were being evicted from their, their cottages across this land. Uh, but it's very much a real situation today. Kate Roach, good morning. Morning, how are you? I'm good. Is, is eviction too strong a word? Is there any other word for it? No, no, that's probably the only word you can use for it. Um, yeah, it's devastating. But it's, um, it's not just you, there's 40 of you involved. Um, there's about there's 25 apartments, but most apartments equate to more than one person in general anyway. Yeah, okay, so this is Chorister's House. Uh, is that the correct pronunciation? Yeah, yeah, it is. This is on Dean Street in Cork. Yeah, it's just behind um, St. Finbar's Cathedral. Yeah. It used to be part of the cathedral. Yeah, okay, well, obviously, uh, with a name like Chorister's, you would... Uh, You'd imagine yeah. there was a previous choir influence or maybe it was a choir practice hall or something. Yeah, um, exactly. The building goes back to like the 1730s. This proposed Crazy. eviction or making you all homeless is going to be a month before Christmas. Yeah, 27th of November is most of the people's eviction dates, minus maybe two or three people who have till the middle of January. Okay, give me the history around it. I know it probably harkens back to, to May when the lifting of uh, the, the eviction ban happened, I say there was a plethora of uh, uh, eviction notices came out after that. But what happened in your case? So um, the story was, it was actually last October, we were told that the um, apartment blocks were going to be put up for sale. And from October to till we got the eviction, we actually heard nothing about it selling or anything like that. There was a few inspections, but maybe one week prior to us getting the eviction notices, we kind of like realised that there was more like fire safety like uh, visits. Um, so when we actually did get the eviction on uh, May the 30th, we were told that the building actually hadn't gotten sold. It wasn't somebody that was buying it already. It was that the council had been in and realised that nothing was up to code really. Like it was a health and safety fire risk. Okay, and, and of course, if, if, if it's owned privately, the private owner has a right to sell it as well and may have a right, probably does have a right to ask for vacant possession if they're not selling it on as a going rented concern. Um, so are, are you saying it's not up to rental standards? Well, I'm, what I'm saying is, um, well, at the moment, there, needs, there is work that needs to be done on the building, but it's not like, like we're being told that we need to get out of the building for the work to be done. Um, what I'm saying is when the building is run up for sale, it's a listed building, it's one of the oldest buildings in Cork. Um, it shouldn't be privately owned, it should be part of the council. Okay, if, if that's the case, and I don't know who owns it, is, is it private or is it part of the council? But w- wouldn't it be a lot easier for the council to provide accommodation for you one at a time while, while your apartments are being made up to code, as they say? That's exactly what we were hoping for. Mm-hmm. Um, essentially, like, if you look back on... Leaside back in 2018, they went through basically the same eviction notices that we're going through right now. And what happened and there? It was a, a, a household trustee that took over the Leaside, but they were able to provide accommodation while the building was done up and the people were able to keep their homes, even okay. though the building was put up for sale. And are you, and, ca- are you private tenants or council tenants? We're private tenants. Okay. Some are private, some are um, on the housing list as well. All right. Now, Brian McCarthy is the Socialist Party councillor for Cork City in the Northwest Ward and joins us in line two. Stay with us, Keith, will you? Yep. Okay. Tenants facing eviction from these Cork apartments, Brian, what, can you bring us up to speed? Uh, yeah, Mick. Um, like you mentioned, uh, the eviction ban. Now, this is a direct result of the eviction ban being lifted. 
in the two months since that was lifted, there was 5,735 eviction notices issued. 5,000? 735. Exactly. And that was just the first two months. Now, um, there's a lot more uh, going to come, but just like in Carister South, a lot of these are actually due to come into effect um, end of November, early December, meaning families and people are going to be put onto the streets essentially in the weeks just before Christmas. Now, the council can and should step in here, and there is a precedent. Kate mentioned it there, uh, Leaside Apartments, uh, a vulture fund from the US called Lurgus Capital, bought Leaside Apartments and tried to evict everyone just before Christmas. Uh, now, it wasn't a legal eviction in that case. That's not the case here. But um, the people organised there with the help of my predecessor on the council, Fiona Ryan, and uh, my colleague in the Dáil, McBarry, uh, they helped them to organise. Uh, not only did they beat the evictions, but they forced the council to intervene and they took charge of the property. And the Housing Association include now is control of that, but it's the council rent policy and uh, the council has um, allocation control over that. Just, just so for clarity there, because I didn't hear you properly. Did, did you say back there that uh, this wasn't a legal eviction or this was an illegal eviction? In in the case of Leaside Apartments, it was an illegal eviction. Okay. Uh, in this case, uh, it, that's, it, uh, that's not the case here. But um, as I said, they did beat the eviction and that's what can happen here. The key point was that those tenants organised uh, the course, the house tenants have organised as well. And if they're going to fight this eviction, we'll support them every step of the way. How can you do that? What support can you offer? Well, I'll be raising on the council on uh, Monday morning. Um, I'm also going to uh, see, I'm going to be in touch with the city council to see if we can um, look into the tenant in situ scheme, which would mean that this uh, uh, council, uh, with this property would be purchased. But as I said, the key point is that they've taken the step to organise and they've gone public with this to highlight the issue. That's the first step. Okay, about four of the 24 or 25 tenants have have managed to secure alternative accommodation. Will they leave anyway now, Kate, that this furore has started? Um, yeah, and um, those people who found accommodation have already left. They've already left? So there's, yeah, yeah, they have. There's 20 of you left then? 20, 20, yeah, about 20 apartments, yeah. Single or, or maybe two tenants in, yeah. in, in an apartment. Have you been looking for alternative accommodation? You're always kind of looking or you're kind of hearing people who are putting up rooms, but um, the, the difference is like the prices that are out there at the minute, like nobody can actually afford them. So half the people that I know are uh, can't afford accommodation or can't afford the accommodation that they're already in. Whereas on the other side of it, even if you did say get, um, get a viewing or for an apartment or a house, you're also with for the other people in the same room and it turns into like a bidding war. Okay. Uh, I was, it's, it's, it's I was watching a video I was sent on TikTok or something the other night uh, of a brand new estate in Dublin. There, I think there's 78 different uh, accommodations. Now, I'm open for correction on this. I'm not uh, stating it as fact. Um, but the guy driving me around and I sent it to Seamus, our producer, uh, was saying 100% these are only for non-Irish nationals. These are for Ukrainians or refugees or whatever. But 100%, he said, uh, these these will not be given to any Irish national. Does that make you feel angry? No, it doesn't. We live in a country that has enough money coming into it that we can look after everyone. That's the problem. We we haven't been looking after our own since long before anyone coming into this country. They, the Irish government have not looked after anyone in the last years. It doesn't matter who you are, like... There's, we have plenty of money coming into the country that we can afford for everyone to have a home. It's a, it's a basic human right. 
It doesn't matter what country you're from. Okay, Brian, uh, tenants facing eviction from these um, Cork apartments also, of course, urging the uh, the council to intervene. Is there anything can be done, do you think? What's, what's the logical approach here? Well, as I said, like I gave the example of a precedent from 2017, and that's what needs to be done. That is an example that was effective. As I said, those people, um, they beat the evictions and they were able to stay in their homes and now they, um, they have uh, council rent. So that shows the way forward. And um, this is in the media today. There's a lot of people talking about it. But as well as that, we're going to see a lot more of this happening. That's the figure I cited, 5,735. Yeah, but, but That's but just this, the tip of the iceberg. But this is a listed building dating back to the 1760s. Is it up to accommodation code as that might pertain? Well, um, like it is one of the oldest inhabited buildings in the city. Um, if you look on the stonework on the facade, you know, it's a beautiful building. There is work that needs to be done. But that doesn't mean that these people need to be evicted. And I mean, if you look at, the, like Kate said this herself, should this building be privately owned and used to generate a profit or should it be publicly owned and used to house people? And that's the key point. This crisis is because homes are being, houses are being built to be sold instead of to house people, used as commodity instead of basic human rights. Now, the housing market should be about one thing, one thing only, housing people, not generating a profit. And you mentioned um, uh, the, the, that estate in Dublin, the person saying these would be housed, uh, used to house uh, non-Irish people. It's like Kate said, there is more than enough in this country to house everyone. I mean, we have massive public land, uh, banks owned by the, the government, that's used for public housing. We have a cash surplus of five billion, and we have thousands, tens of thousands of vacant properties right across the country that could be taken into public ownership and uh, refitted quite quickly to resolve this crisis. Yeah, I read a report this morning about the number of commercial properties, uh, uh, county by county, that are available and are vacant um, in, in this country, anywhere from 10 to 15 percent uh, in any particular county. Uh, so let's take Cork and let's imagine it was 15 percent. I, I wonder, could modular homes be put inside these uh, these commercial properties? Because no foundations would be needed and no planning would be needed except for change of use. Uh, and, you know, the modular homes could be independently metered, independently gassed, in, independently, um, you know, given power. Uh, and become independent living units. It wouldn't be the sexiest place in the world to live, but we have all of these buildings uh, sheltered from the elements, if you like, uh, concrete floors. Could we not adapt them to put modular homes in? Uh, that's absolutely something that we should be looking at. Um, I mean, modular homes have been brought in uh, to deal with uh, the influx of um, of uh, refugees, and they're they're very they're actually quite good quality and far more cost effective than any of the alternatives. So modular homes is definitely something that we should we should be encouraging to be built on um, the publicly owned land across the country. Yeah, there's a huge modular home feature, by the way. I can't remember which paper it was. Now it's either either in the Independent this morning uh, or in the uh, Irish Daily Mail. But if anyone's interested in uh, in modular homes, pick up those two. I've no I've no particular interest in modular homes, although I have seen them and I've seen them being built and you'd have a passing interest in flicking through the various designs. But that's there uh, in one of those two papers. I can't remember which one. Anyway, back to Kate and your more pressing problem, Kate. Um, what, what do you think will happen? I, well, by the I, way, by, by the way, I'm just reading here. This is uh, privately owned and it went on the market uh, with tenants in situ. So it went on the market as a going concern uh, last year with an asking price of 2.5 million, an annual yeah. rental income of 200,000. Um, but apparently it was taken off the market pretty quickly and temporarily. And now the landlord intends to sell the building uh, when certain renovation works have been carried out. Um, yeah. 
could you, could you not demand that it's sold uh, with with the tenants in situ? You could demand that, but uh, it's kind of been mentioned already before to the landlord. But it's not the it's not the the answer we got back either. Like mm-hmm. she 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 wants the she wants the tenants out by her eviction day so she could do the renovations. There's been no talks of whenever the person whoever buys this and they rent it back to us. It's just we all know it's just not going to happen. Mm, but if, if there's four, and I'm just trying to think outside the box, if there's four empty apartments, they could be used on a stage basis while others are being done up. Now, perhaps you could offer to pay a little more uh, into the pot as, as regards rent and, and, and make it attractive as a saleable item uh, for someone buying it as, a, as an ongoing business. Just trying to put a few ideas out there. Yeah, no, I guess you, and I guess you would the, the spare apartments too, or like it could be used as a thing, maybe like people move around over a course of time while the renovations are done. But as for the paying more rent at the moment, like when at the 30th of May when all the, the safety issues came in, I my oven was taken out the next day. I haven't had an oven in like three months. Mm. I've been using an air fryer for three months. Three months? Like, yeah, I mean, there's, 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 like now I was given a replacement air fryer. It doesn't really replace an oven in my eyes. But, it's a case of um, there doesn't seem to be a lot of care on that side for us, if I'm honest. Like, I haven't seen um, my landlord be open for negotiations either. Okay, so but, but you, you, you guys yeah. have organised and, and, and there will be some sort of action or some sort of initiative um, as you band together to try and save what's happening from your point of view. Brian, you, you're going to bring it up to council. Will you stay in touch as well? Absolutely, of course. All right, guys. Could I add one thing before I go? Sure, Kate. Um, there's, there's power in people, and if this hadn't gone public or we hadn't had the support from the last few weeks or months from um, from Brian or McBarry or the lads in Katu, Katu have been absolutely amazing for advice or just being there in general, leaving us no information that we already didn't know. Um, Katu are brilliant, and what they're doing for Irish people, what they're doing for in general, for everyone, for everyone in housing in Ireland is incredible. Excellent. We're very lucky to have people on our side. Uh, the door is always open on this programme as well, Kate. Don't forget that. Thanks a million. Thanks a million, guys. Morning to you both. Bye, bye. Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prenderville now on 0818 Red FM. Six minutes to ten, a little close to news to take another caller. We'll get back to our, our phone lines after ten o'clock. Uh, meanwhile, we have lots of texts to get through from yesterday's programme. And Agnes, who was looking for a single parent looking for her forever home, uh, we got a text saying, I, I feel she's only fooling herself with that attitude. She could easily work part-time and possibly put herself through college. Many other people have to do it. Why not this woman? I've nothing against her, but I feel too many people use these excuses so they can have a nice easy life, says James. On the speed limits in Gardaí, in the last five years the Gardaí have turned into more of a tax collecting service than anything else. Uh, a few deaths on the road and they're spending millions in hours and equipment. Yet rape, robbery, murder and drug crime are all on the rise. Uh, what's been the emergency response from the Gardaí and politicians about these thing- things? Nothing. And why? Because they can't collect tax from rapists or thugs. The Gardaí are a tax collection service only for the hard-working, decent middle-class people. We mentioned dentists and dentistry yesterday and its availability to young uh, students in uh, primary school. My son saw the school dentist for the first time in May during sixth class. 
He was referred for an orthodontic consultation in St. Finbar's Dental Hospital and is now on the waiting list. It's expected to be at least three years before he'll be seen. Cheers, says Shane in Carrie Tool. So many parents are busy celebrating their children then suddenly they realise that children cost money forever, just like dentistry, says Another uh, another uh, texture. On the mini, mini marathon, I'm hoping you'll give a shout out to all the women preparing to take part in this year's Echo Women's Mini Marathon. The race takes place this Sunday, the 17th of September, starting on Kennedy Quay at 12 noon. Some uh, That's Sunday week, isn't it? Uh, some athletes run to win, but a huge number walk the route for enjoyment under sponsorship to help raise funds for their uh, favourite charity. Uh, full details are on the Echo website and Cork Athletics website. Many thanks for your help, says Ken Smith. Uh, on the today's programme, uh, some text. Hi Mick, this country needs a minister for men. A minister looking after men's issues only. Men die five years earlier than women. Nearly all the homeless in the streets are men. 96% of prisoners are men. 75% of suicides are men. 80% of primary teachers are female. We should try and change that to give our boys more role uh, models that are male. If men are living a long and happy life, it will help women too. It's about time we had a minister for men. Uh, regards, says John Roach. On the council strike, uh, I agree that they should be paid at a fair rate for the work they're doing, but they are state workers, so they're not the same as a person who works in a private company who has to fight for a pay rise every year or can get fired at any time. How many pay rises have they got in the last few years? Plus, they can't be fired that easily, says Kevin. I'm laughing my arsenal off here. Uh, Arsenal. I've been waiting on repairs to my house for about 10 years. He's making me laugh. Uh, it looks like I'll be waiting 20 years now. On speed limits, uh, hi Mick, by reducing speed limits, are they implying that most accidents are caused by speeding? I live in the countryside and I would think the conditions of the roads could be a very big factor too. Some of the potholes around here are absolutely huge. They've definitely caused damage to my car says uh, Gillian. The speed limit change won't make any difference, says another texter. People who drive at 80 in a 60 zone will just do 60 in a 40 zone. And we'll have more on that after news at 10. Get in touch with us by phone 0818 104 106 or by text or WhatsApp 0868 104 106. Now, the Neil Prenderville Show, Red FM. And back to our phone lines at nine minutes past ten. And good morning, Pat. Hiya. Good morning, Mickey, to your listeners. And now, Go Save Vans are a safety measure that should be welcome. Uh, they're located in built-up dangerous areas where people may not see the change in speed signs. Are you 100% in agreement with that? I am, yes. Um, I worked in road safety for 15 years, and oftentimes people can um, basically knock any safety measure that's put in place and anything that saves lives, as I've said there before, we should welcome. These, uh, this, is, this contract there was uh, awarded by the government at a cost of $115 million for a five-year contract. They didn't allocate that five-year contract for nothing. They identified that there is problems on our road and the problem is in relation, these are detections of speed. And speed, as you often heard, kills. Now, what we say, and I worked as an instructor for 15 years, what we say is inappropriate use of speed kills. Now, what I mean by inappropriate 
you see people coming off a motorway uh, doing uh, the motorway speed and they still continue to do it after they leave the motorway. That's inappropriate use of speed and that's what causes people coming into roundabouts at inappropriate speed. Now, there is an awful lot of myth in relation to these speed vans. The speed vans or the go-safe vans, first of all, are put in places where and Gerda Corner has identified that there is road fatalities there and that speed is a factor there and that we need to put a van in place because people have this perception that these vans are a nuisance, they're put in places where stuff is not happening and they're all, all they are is a daily nuisance. They're not. This is well thought out and this money that's been spent is being very carefully allocate, um, allocated to this company to do a job. And that's basically to reduce uh, the debts in our, on our roads. Okay. Now, co- co- just uh, a co- co- couple of points there. Uh, in, in the village in which I live, once or twice a week, there is a, a speed van. It's it's parked just around a corner, uh, and and people are on it before they know it. Now it's parked in an area where, as far as I'm aware, and I can be corrected, nobody's ever uh, been killed on the road. It's near a river. Uh, many years ago, uh, th- th- there was a low wall there. People fell in the river. People died in the river. Now, now there's uh, railings up, and uh, and it's a much safer place. But as far as I know, no one's ever been killed in that little spot. And it seems to me to be the shooting fish in the barrel. Uh, one, I take it that uh, the predominance of these Gatso vans, as they're known uh, collectively, uh, I take it the predominance go in in areas. Uh, on, and on motorways and where there have been fatalities. But there must be an element of opportunist money-making here, or would you disagree? Now, basically, I'm surprised at what you said because they, all the data states that these vans are only being allocated are put into places where there has been accidents. So what you're saying is is uh, contradicting that. Well, now, I'm just saying it to my knowledge, Pat. I'm not, I'm not yeah, stating yeah, it as now, 100% fact. But I, what I'm saying is that what I'm reading and the knowledge I've had and the knowledge we've given working with the Road Safety Authority is these vans are put into these places. Now, as regards the money-making thing, uh, it's known there within the uh, these go-safe fans that they don't get uh, bonuses on so many key, uh, the, you know, the catch. Another thing as regards the visibility, and I've read this this morning, there is no law, and this, they're working in Ireland and the UK, there is no law saying that they have to be visible. They can be put in any part. If you have a very dangerous bend and uh, they're sighted shortly after that, of course, in a safe place. Uh, they can do that. They, they don't have to be visible. And I was surprised to read that this morning. These vans can be put in where there is accidents, and this is the data that I'm reading and that we are told. Now, what comes into question with all this and comes into question with me is we have the minister coming out. We have Angerda Sheikhana coming out in relation to road safety. But what we have in this country, and the word authority is used, we have a road safety authority. And you think that these would be the people, the authority on road safety, that would be coming out with all these measures. But what we're hearing is the Minister for Justice is coming out with the measures, the Garda Sheikhan is coming out with the measures. 
so I, what I question in this, and this needs to be really uh, uh, teased out, is we have a so-called authority on road safety, and the fact that these vans have been brought in to do the job, are, is this authority, uh, this so-called authority? Because to me it's not. Yeah, so it, it, maybe it should be called the road, the RSA should be the road safety advisory. Advisory, possibly, but it, it, the word authority is they're supposed to have the, uh, the say in all this and anything to do with road safety, they're supposed to be this authority. But in all the correspondence I've heard uh, in the last couple of weeks there in relation to this and, the, you know, the, the rising deaths on our roads, uh, the word authority and this authority that we have set up in this country uh, is not coming into it. And possibly part of the reason, and I've seen this, and we do need to look at this authority, is part of uh, one of the things that they fail on in my books is the advertising, the uh, uh, the ads they put on the TV. Uh, they're not reflecting uh, the severity of what's happening on our roads, and they're very badly put together. And it's an insult to people like myself that worked in the industry to see these badly thought out uh, television ads put on by this so-called authority. And maybe that's part of the reason why they don't come up in the media and why they're not consulted on in relation to road uh, fatalities. Okay, Pat, when anybody drives out of Red FM here, okay, uh, unless you're going into Wilton, you can take a left turn, but you take a right turn, go up to the roundabout, the roundabout is situated between Marymount Hospice and the University Technology Park. Whatever you do, uh, whether you're going to McCroom or whether you're going uh, to the South Ring and the city, you turn left because there's no access to the Ring Road uh, if you go over the bridge. You've got to go into... Uh, one of the older villages and, and, and country roads to get back. So you're essentially going to the Bishopstown roundabout. As you turn off the uh, the elevated roundabout uh, over the motorway, uh, about 20 yards down the road, there's a, a speed sign for 120 kilometres per hour on the slip road. Now, Max Verstappen couldn't come off that roundabout and hit 120 by the time it's legal to do that speed. You see, this is a problem we had at uh, instructor conferences with so-called road engineers. And we used to have uh, conflicting views, their idea of road safety and ours, and you have highlighted just that. Uh, We have road engineers that are are looking at... um, movement of traffic and different areas like that but the last thing and what we found at these conferences the one thing they were lacking and it's from experience from ourselves is the actually road safety and you highlighted that it's not safe to uh, go on this now what I'm saying about this road safety authority there's an awful lot we need to look at in regards to road safety in this country we need to look at the like an example now of a fantastic idea and I've been in Cork lately, is to get rid of the roundabout, the Dunkettle roundabout, and they're starting. It's only in, it, there's an awful lot of work to be done, but what I saw was the way they have two lanes now going into the tunnel, and when you're heading for the airport, there's no cars going across on the roundabout in front of you, and they have eliminated that. Now, when it's finally finished, um, I think it will work well. So, what the point I'm making there, the stuff being done in our road infrastructure that is working well. 
well and that is an example uh, in that realm but there's other things like you've mentioned earlier that are not very well taught out that are causing accidents and where did the problem with a lot of these things is as you see as you have highlighted this morning there is drivers of the opinion that I can go down there at that 120 kilometres and it is safe to do so and it's not safe and you have highlighted that this now, morning let, 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 me give, let me give you an opposite example Pat and let's go to West Cork to the lovely village of Goline and the legendary Dinimara's pub down the yes, gable end of Dinimara's pub is the little boreen that gives you access to the pier there's grass growing up through the middle of it do you, do you know the, the signage that's on that? I, 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 80 yeah, kilometres well, per hour. Goalene, yeah. 80. Yes, and this is another thing there, is uh, the people driving along that believe that I can go at 80. In other words, our road engineers have designed that, have specified that, and are telling us uh, with their vast knowledge that it is safe to go at 80 kilometres down there. And what has happened over the years, and I have seen this myself, I get 15 years driving heavy goods vehicles, and I saw this over the years is the younger drivers coming up are not as educated within the use of speed. When I was driving HEV vehicles along roads like you're talking about, very narrow roads, uh, people would come at a, a speed. And like the bottom line with speed and the use of speed and the inappropriate use of speed, you should always be driving at a speed that you can stop the, in the distance you can see to be clear. So if you're going along a very narrow country road and blind bends, you should not be going at speed because we, when, when I teach in advanced driving there, we had a what-if video. And the what-if was, what if there was a car around there? What if there was a tractor coming out of that field? This was the what if. Now, the what if is is if I go around that corner, am I actually going to be able to stop my vehicle uh, if a tractor comes out or if there's somebody walking? And there's an awful lot of areas we need to look at road safety. Like what I'm talking about this morning is driving and drivers on the road. We need to look at even the safety of pedestrians. We have pedestrians going along uh, roads like we're, you're talking about around Guileen with headphones on. So what they're doing is eliminating one of the key safety issues they have uh, or inbuilt is, uh, things they have in their body is their hearing. They'll hear something coming. But if you go along with headphones on a narrow road like that, you're limiting. So there's an awful lot of areas we need, but we need education. And I wanted to go into schools and start this education program. But I was told by three primary schools that there wasn't room on their curriculum to teach this. Now, I believe even times like today and now, we, uh, the last couple of days, we had uh, extreme heat. And one of the things I learned the hard way when I started driving was aquaplane. When you have a dry spell, you have tear, the aisle coming up from the tear. And then when you have a downpour, you have a filament of water on top of tear. And it's, it's going to, the tear is going to skip. Yeah, the road surface at, like, at the very least is going to be greasy. But if, if there's, is, but if, if there's water, you're, you're going to aquaplane. Yeah, we need to teach these things to students that are there and are in school and are relaxed. So when they go into the area of being trained to drive, they have all that theory um, in their in their head, uh, and this needs to be taught. But we need to look at it. We're not looking at it, and this is why I wanted to come on this program this morning. We need to look at road safety because what's very uh, heartbreaking for me is I go 
to these remembrance days of road victims uh, when it comes up each year and to see the sadness that has brought families uh, and we are ignoring this and people are, are dying on our roads. But we need to have a serious chat about a so-called authority and an Ireland that's there for road safety and is going to take road safety safely because it's not acceptable in any um, so-called civilised society that this has gone on but like anything that's there to save lives whether they're speed go vans whether they're guarded checkpoints um, on the roads we need to welcome any measure that's going to reduce fatalities on our road Pat, Pat you're, you're, you're very vocal and you're obviously it, it's, a, it's a topic that's close to your heart uh, can I maybe invade your privacy slightly and ask you have you had a family member or a close friend die in a road accident? I haven't had a family member but I have a very close friend that has lost a family member and um, this is part of the reason why I would go with this person to these remembrance um, it's very difficult and any family member uh, to have lost a loved one mm. through road safety and as I said I can't get the message across loud and clear and like Possibly when I walked for 15 years in driver safety, I probably came across as this very serious, this very uptight type of person. But the way I done my job was if my son or daughter was going to a driving instructor, this is the way I want things done. So that's the way I done my job. And thankfully, um, I had um, very good success with people because I was honest and open and I was in the job for the very proper reasons. For the right reasons, yeah. Uh, for, for safety. All right, and I call it their safety. Well, well, well said on everything that, that you so firmly believe in there. Uh, that the Go Safe fans are a safety measure. They should be welcomed. It's easy for people to hate them. Uh, it's easy for people to give out about them. And it's easy when, when you see them in, in kind of strange positions where you don't think anything uh, has ever happened fatality-wise. No. That they're there for, for revenue collection. Yeah, but what I say as well, and one thing we need to look at as well, is the society that we have created. We have created a society where people are walked uh, to the pin of their collar. We have society where both has to walk. And I know in a stressful day, you have to get the kids to school, you have to rush to work, and we have created this society. We need to start to look at the overall safety of the society that we have created and the type of, um, uh, you know, road safety that we're promoting. And we need to look at the overall picture. But there's an awful lot in road design. And even myself there, two weeks ago, uh, Sunday, two weeks ago, I was... Uh, going on a very a small country road and I hit a pool of water and lucky enough I had the steering held because just after that pool of water there was a bridge. Now if I hadn't behaved, I, I felt it pulling steering and like we need to look at even in local authority we need to look at all these issues where water is lodged and a big thing that's coming in and we're not addressing it as well is in the area of climate change. We now have severe uh, downfalls. We had the wettest July. It's created problems is creating flooding in areas and these are things we need so there's an awful lot to look at in this whole road safety um, uh, problem All right, Pat, we we've, we've covered a lot of topics there and uh, and listen can I thank you and venture that you, you, you might be an advisory member to the Road Safety Authority um, but thank you thank you for your contribution this morning I've got Kieran O'Donovan uh, waiting for quite some time and I want to get to him, thank you Pat Call the Neil Prenderville Show now, 0818 104 106.
Red FM. Coming up on half past ten. Good morning from the Neil Prendeville Show. This is Mick Mulcahy. Kieran O'Donovan, thank you for holding for so long. Hello, Kieran. Mick, how are you getting on? Very good. You're you're busy, obviously. You're a HGV. Well, I'm like, I'm what you know. <laughs> Thanks very much. We spoke before about this, Mick. You have pictures. Are there? Oh, yeah. You're a HGV driver, just to be clear. Yeah. We spoke about this before, and I sent you pictures. Thanks. Of the ghost fans. Very happy to take them seriously when they don't debate a lot of films. How was that? You, uh, you see these in the Hargan's Key. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, there's one pack there. In an old parking zone, like you said, around the corner there. What happened to me one day there? Came around the corner, catch a van, came from to be jammed on the brakes. Only if I had enough room between us, there was an accident. Because um, I suppose a year or so ago, I sent you a heap of pictures of all the way that park. Now, I've seen family members, black family members, good friends, loads of accidents, people killed on the road over the years. Now, there's a place for the speed limits, but they're not enforced. Everybody knows where the gaps are, where they're going to be. You, you're warned, they're signs saying where they be, and then mud basically in the same places all the time. So, they have to take them seriously when they don't obey the law themselves. They're answerable to no one. I tried following it up, and the best you can do is talk to the other press officers office and they won't give you a whole lot of information about what they have to do or what they have don't have to do. All they could find out is they can be summons for parking illegally, but I never have them attacked. Okay, uh, one of our textures, and maybe you could shed some light on this, Kieran, says, uh, uh, could I ask the uh, w- one of the contributors, are the Gatso vans actually even allowed on motorways? Because the, our, co- our texture said I, 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 there's no parking on them except for Gardaí. They park on the Gardaí yes, things, and if the law was right, it's only Gardaí you're supposed to park on them, because these, these are a commercial business, they're not um, a state business, you know what I mean, they're hired in, so they should be obeying the same laws as I do. Well, yeah, but I, I, I take that point, but I, it, it's my belief that they're, they're in business to make a profit, but they're not profiting from the volume of uh, fines that uh, their cameras can, you know, can affect the issue. And they're being paid a contract fee. Yeah, with their last making as far as I know, if I read last correctly. But um, uh, they will be causing an accident in some places they're parking. They park illegally inside continuous white lines. They park on corners. They park in gateways, up, obstructing entry to, 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 to businesses and fields. They park in Valley Vorney, outside the church, across the uh, parking bays. They used to do it in um, the school bridge there, but I was on to Mayfield, and Mayfield got stopped them. Depends on who you're talking to. But uh, <coughs> they can be summoned for parking illegally, but I've never heard of it happen. I'll ring if I see them parked illegally and they will be moved, but they're constantly at the end of Hargan's Key there. And, like, I don't believe there was anyone killed there as many years as I know, and I'm driving a long time. Yeah. Uh, and and on, on the subject of, uh, of Gatso vans, if, uh, let's say, a newer or inexperienced uh, HGV driver came around a corner and saw the Gatso van, now, to be fair, they are pretty visible, uh, and, and jammed on the brakes and jackknifed, would that be well, a possibility? I, 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 it will, because I'll tell you, I have um, there's anti-lock braking on all modern HGVs, right? Okay. I have a picture here with a Gatsu van pack, and you can see where the brakes, you know, hit your rear now and then, braking up to it, where he was just parked at the end of the road now. And, you know, they're, they're, they're parking in, in dangerous places. No, there's a place, I tell you speed, 
Now, most of us, we set it on the limit of whatever the speed is. And I like when it goes to the new speed limit, 50 kilometers an hour in town centers is too fast. That is too fast. It should be talked because, you know, it is, it's crazy. But like where I live, the road I live, there's about seven miles straight, and it's all 50 kilometers, a narrow road, which is probably right again. But in the middle of the night, you get fellas doing God only knows what speed up and down. Yeah, but is, is 30 too slow then for that road if it's a seven kilometer stretch? It's, a, it's 50. It's 50. I know, but 50 if, if that was to change to 30. Only I would, that would be too slow article for it. It would be too slow article for it. No, it's 50 because it's a narrow road and in some places it's tight to pass something else. Do you know what I mean? Okay, we... We, 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 we've had a haulier on who won't come on the air. Uh, just some of the points uh, he's making. Uh, number one, and you, you can correct this if it's wrong. Uh, number one, he said that uh, you can't drive a HGV safely at 30 kph. They're not designed for that. Is it, that doesn't seem logical uh, well, to me. Well, they're all, most of them are automatic. No one will walk away at that. You know, it's, 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 it's those people up and that's about the size of it. Yeah, you can see where he's coming from there. If he's an owner, you, you have to be uh, at time slots. And if you're going at that from over, over period, just want to slow you up because every, every minute you lose here, it's ten minutes further on down the line. You know what I mean? Yeah. So how, how how will it affect you financially if if you're you know if you're an hour late for a uh, delivery? There's a there's obviously yeah, a cost you, 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 Yeah, you might have to wait two or three hours and that's another load down somewhere for someone or whatever. Or you could be to the end of the queue if you miss your sack. That's the way that goes. So you have to allow time for getting there and that's probably losing jobs during the day. And, you know, the way things are done. I like with the new port and ring and skiddy there. Now you spend half, half your time tuning in the morning. You'll be to Dublin and some of the time it takes to go around there and back out of it in the morning with all the factories down there. Yeah, it's a kind, kind of strange thing I saw this morning. You know, you know knowing that we were going to be doing something on, on the speed limits today, uh, and knowing that 1.2 million has been allocated by the government in the last 48 hours, for the first time this morning on the South Ring Road, uh, heading uh, west, I suppose, you know, heading from Cork to McCroom, out to, out to Bishopstown and to uh, Red FM, um, pre-8 o'clock in the morning, around 7.35, there was a Gatso van on the South Ring Road. I didn't think they started till 8 a.m. Am I wrong? Uh, no, no, on middle of the night, you could meet them as well. They walk around the clock. Uh, I didn't know that. Oh, yes, they the ne- ne- never seen one there before at that uh, early juncture in the morning, though. Um, yes, they, walk, they, walk, they walk around the clock. You could meet them anywhere, anytime. Is, is, it, is, it a, is it a tough game now, Kieran? The, the haulier also said to us that he's lost a certain amount of drivers because of restrictions and because it, they're not getting there on time, they're not getting paid overtime or whatever. No, no, is, is it a difficult trade now? It is, because nobody wants to work 12, 13 hours a day. When you're not working, you're sitting waiting for loads, and because somebody's, you know, in a lot of places, they get two hours to unload you, by the way, where you can unload it in 15 minutes, because they're making up the day, then they take up the two hours that you've gone. You've gone out for English Skiddy there, now you could be two hours waiting for, for a load, because there's a queue there, the same in Tivoli, that kind of way. You fight traffic coming back then with the school traffic in the evenings and the mornings. So how, how are fellas expected to make a living at that, you know? All right. Um, let me just bring in Rory O'Flaherty here because he's under pressure for time. Hiya, Rory. Mick, how are you? Good morning, yeah. Very good. Mick, uh, yeah. as, 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 as an ex-long-term, um, long-distance driver for like 13 years in New York, like that, um, the laws in this country need to be up, updated as regards um, speed limits and that kind of stuff, and, and the gas of vans and that. If, you, if you're coming from Mahenside and you come through a tunnel heading East Cork, up to a few weeks ago, the Gatsa van was parked under the flyover, under the Dublin flyover, as you literally enter, they are come out of the tunnel, and you enter the new road, which goes under the Dublin flyover, 
the gas of Street Park here. Now, the same on the other side of the road, if you're coming from East Cork, heading towards the city, the gas van was also parked inside the barriers of the roadworks. Now, my understanding that I, that I got from the guard years ago, and I mean a long time ago, Mick, when they started going these first, the vans and the speed vans are only allowed access where the public have access. Rory, I just want to say thanks to Kieran there. I thought you might want to talk to him, but obviously it's a, it's a different... No, 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 different I don't story. Let's just leave Kieran yeah, finished. No, Kieran. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. What he said there, I see that there, and that should have been there. As they should have... Are they at the health and safety about packing in there? They should have all... They took nothing to go with and all that kind of stuff for packing in there. Yes, no, yes, Kieran, no, I know that. I know that. I know that. No, no, one second. The only park where the public have access. Yeah, but the, the public don't have access. The public don't have access inside the roadworks. Listen, man, the two that were talking about there, they were parked inside the, the awesome and they were headboard cameras inside them. They were just a bluff. I, I, I got some. I, I do this. Well, <laughs> <laughs> tell that to Rady, tell that to about 60,000 cows passing up there every day. Kieran, you know thanks, I mean? thanks, I thanks, thanks very much. And just let Rory expand his point here. Go on, Rory. There's one other point, Mick. The East Cork Jules Carriageway is a national road. It's the N25. Am I right? Yeah. It's 120 kilometres. In, in most parts until you pass Middleton or until you get near yes, Middleton. Because, because because there's crossroads going across by the water rock and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Right? yeah. But other, other than that, when you come out of when you come out of the sun, you come up onto the motorway, it's out of dual carriageway, dual carriageway, it's 120. The signs are there saying 120. That's illegal. It's a national road. National highway speed limits are 100 kilometres. Are you going to get a change downwards now, sir? That's what's going to happen. But that's not the point. The point is, when they had, I had this before with Neil, when they had the test centre, the uh, um, the driving test centre when, when there was an overflow and they opened up one within the NCT and you could do your testing around Little Island. If you came out of Cove or Middleton or Cork and you were told you're testing in Little Island, you could plough down that road at 120 miles or kilometres an hour. You go into Little Island, you do your test, you fail your test, you get a cert to say, I'm sorry, John, you failed your test, you can reapply straight away, and now there you go. You're left drive back onto 120 kilometres an hour dual carriageway. Yeah, fair point. Yeah, but a, you're, but you're, you're maintaining that it's should a be 100 point. then. It's, well, it's, Mick, it's a national road. National road speed limits are 100. Motorway speed limits are 120. So are you for these uh, proposed changes in the speed limits downwards? Many people are. Well, I'm not to say that I've never hit 120, Mick, at these cocks. No, of course <laughs> you wouldn't. Like, there's rules there. They're talking at the moment about reducing speed limits at the moment from 100 to 80, from 80 to 60, from 50 to 30. Some, some, some of them are ridiculously high, Rory, like the one I mentioned in West Cork. Oh, I know that. I saw the one on the McCroom bypass. Look at the guy coming up from Dublin clock in 200. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, but by the but same token... They can't put signs up telling people to do 120 when it's a national road. When if you go onto the website, the national road speed limit says 100, 100 kilometres. It's an interesting point there yeah. that Kieran raised. That there was no cameras inside in those two vans. They were just there as a kind of a speed deterrent, but they weren't catching anybody, was what he suggested. Well, were they? We don't know that. We were don't know, they? I guess. Exactly, we don't know that. Like, but as as you came out of the tunnel, either direction, uh, for o- over a year, uh, in roads that haven't changed, there was a sixty mi- sixty kilometer per hour, uh, and then it eventually went back up to a hundred. So the south ring is a yeah. hundred. 
Yeah. But there was uh, 60 kilometres, um, you know, for a mile outside the tunnel, coming up to Jacob's Island. And on the yeah, other nearly, side as well. Bluefield nearly, like, yeah. Yeah. Do you know? But as regards those speed vans, Mick, it was, it was an actual guard. It was an actual guard in Cove that told me that. That the, that the speed vans and camera cars and all this kind of stuff, they're only allowed to park up in an area where the public have access to driving. I, I, I suppose the reasoning here is you, you can't enforce the law while breaking the law. No, but you can question it. If you go to court, you can question it. I know it might cost you a lot more in the end of the day. But, like, if, if, you, if, if you contest it and then, and then go ahead and question it, like, an act. Okay, what, what are you doing these days, Rory? You used to be our, our I, go-to I'm driver. Driving, I'm still driving, but I do, uh, I do the HSC now. I'm in um, a 12-ton truck at the moment from um, Model Farm Road, which is the HSC Logistics Hub. I go from there to the COH in St. Stephen's, like an Adam. You know, so. oh, brilliant. You're bringing all the money to the, to the executives, see you? <laughs> I'm bringing all the guns and everything. I'm <laughs> the money, but I'm bringing all the... Uh, all the PP year and that kind of stuff for everyone and medical goods and, you know, a normal, normal store for the hospital like that. Yeah, so, the, the, the amount of PPE still being used in hospitals is huge. It's gone up again, Mick. It's gone up again. PPE, it's rising again at the moment. Like, are, are, are you seeing by the uh, amount of PPE that you're delivering that there's a rise in COVID cases again or a rise in something? Big time. Big time. Yeah. Big time, Mick. All you right, know. Rory. So, right, Mick, keep Th- the flags flying, by. Thanks a million. We'll do our best. Cheers, Mick. Cheers, bye-bye. We have some calls and comments um, on our text line, which is 0868 104 106. Uh, Bear in mind, uh, Junior Transport Minister Jack Chambers uh, feels these changes are necessary and admits, to be fair, uh, that they are radical, but you have to weigh it up against 127 people uh, that have lost their lives so far this year on Irish roads. Uh, Some of our textures' comments, well, they'll head for the motorway. It's going to make no difference if people are breaking the speed limit now. Lowering the speed limit is not going to make a difference. So rather than investing in infrastructure, we'll penalise the driver by slowing their journey. Another texture says it won't make a difference as you never see any guardy policing it. The only time I see them checking uh, is for tax and NCT. A cash grab by the government, says another texture, and a lazy attempt at trying to make it look like they're solving an issue which runs far deeper than speed. If they think slapping a few reduced speed signs is truly addressing the issue, they're crazy. Multiple factors are involved in road deaths. Speed is only one. They recently upped the speed limit uh, where I live from 60 to 80 and the road condition is absolutely appalling. There was just a severe road accident there a few weeks prior uh, where the victims had to be airlifted to hospital and they're increasing the speed limit there. Uh, more texts. Yes, speed has an impact, but uh, I see people texting or putting on makeup while driving. Why do they do that? Uh, also, cyclists should be in single file uh, and wait in traffic like we all must. Uh, I was suffering behind two abreast cyclists yesterday for about five minutes. I was the second car behind them. Uh, just absolutely could not pass. They had no regard for the growing traffic behind them. Uh, and when uh, the, the car in front of me went uh, on a wide section of the roads, uh, not, not a continuous white line, well able to overtake, uh, I saw him getting the finger. Uh, I went a bit, a little, little bit wider, to be fair. Now, he did give them a metre, a metre and a bit. Uh, I went a little bit wider and didn't have to, uh, to suffer that insult. But uh, they'd held everybody up for five minutes. Uh, they could have easily went in single file and made it safer, not just for the drivers, but for themselves. But there you go, back to the text. Uh, people will continue to speed regardless of the limit. Reducing the speed limit not only adds journey times, but will increase driver frustration towards the end of journeys because they're late. 
This will lead to more increases in speed in accidents, uh, as those who already speed or have done will take more risks than usual. There's a lot of sense in that comment, actually. It's strange how they wait for tragedies to occur and then bring in changes that bring in more money in taxes. Another chance for them to feed off people's grief. Uh, Those speeding will continue to do so, improve road conditions, fix the potholes, make the cyclists and motorists be more visible, uh, subsidise public transport, another texture. How about they fix the potholes on the road so cars are not swerving all over the place to avoid them? Uh, Some company out there is going to make a lot of money changing all those signs. I wonder will they be related to a politician. Uh, the lower the speed, the better. Can't wait for this to be implemented. The sooner the better. I'm never in a hurry when I drive anyway. At least I'll have an excuse for everyone with me in the car complaining that I drive too slowly. And finally, it's nothing to do with the speed limits. It's poor driver education. Get it off your chest. Text The Neil Brinderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. Pat, thank you for holding. Good morning to you. Good morning, Jimmy. How's I'm good. Car driver getting hammered and blamed again, yeah? Oh, absolutely. So why not? We are the people who are legislated against <clears throat> in the context of there are laws and legalities, speed limits. Uh, we have to do a test. We have to do a pre-test, etc., etc. right? And yet we have a far bigger perspective to deal with in the context of cyclists, electric bikes, and electric scooters. None of these have legislation. None of these have laws. You don't even see a lot of people wearing helmets. I mean, even yet, just like yesterday, I was coming up some hill south, uh, and there was a fast food delivery driver on an electric bike, and because the traffic was stopped, he drove onto the pavement, and at the top of the road, somebody was turning left, and he just drove straight out in front of them onto the road off the pavement. He had a headset of headphones on him, totally oblivious to the fact, even though somebody, well, he's oblivious up to the fact that somebody blew the horn at him, and like he then demonstrated in kind what he thought of that, and proceeded to move out into the middle of the road such that anybody else couldn't get past him. Is it, is it Dublin or Belfast that there's a, there's a big campaign on uh, to completely ban the electric scooters because they're, they're on too many footpaths. Uh, people are making, you know, elderly people making sudden moves and getting knocked down by them, breaking bones and, and, and stuff like that. Is it Dublin or Belfast that they're, they're trying to ban I, them I couldn't completely? say that, Mick, but I mean, I mean, all you need to do is drive the streets here in, in, in Cork City. You know, you'll see children as young as seven and eight on electric scooters. Jesus, they're barely able to shag and walk. You know what I mean? Uh, I, I properly and to obey the rules of the road as regards pedestrians and yet they're given an electric scooter at whatever, seven or eight hundred pounds or euros a go and off they go. There's no problem. You know, they're expected to know and what will happen then is that they'll either fail to break, they'll shoot out in front of you, you hit them and you're wrong because you're the fellow with insurance. You're the person that when it comes to a court case the judge is going to look at or shit is a child, what would he know? Do you know? And you're also in a position then that because there's no framework as regards laws and uh, liabilities, you can't even take a civil case against the parents. Well, like well, when you case. look at, Pat, yeah. at the lot of the yeah. Irish driver, male or female, uh, you're yeah. kind of discriminated against from day one. Uh, you, oh, you, you, you've got the VRT tax. Our cars are more expensive here. Plus, they have to be imported. We're an island nation, so the shipping costs. Uh, and then we have punitive road tax. Uh, I, I know that there is much, much cheaper road tax for the electric cars, but I, I think that's a busted flush. I, I, I think that's going to be increased uh, uh, when it becomes a soft target, uh, which it will. 
because it, there but will be more money coming in off it. Um, but think about it, they've already reduced, um, what was it, um, the government reduced their incentive. They were giving you 5,000, they're now giving you 3,500. Yeah, so that's... People are buying, that, that, know, that, straight away. That, yeah. That'll ultimately be gone. But not, not, not just that, we have uh, inordinately high levies uh, and VAT uh, on, on fuel, uh, also, yeah. the car parts and servicing as an island nation are more expensive than they are abroad. Um, and and now, and many will say, uh, especially those who drive for a living, that now I'm going to have to spend an extra hour a day on the road. Now, I'm all for safety and nobody, nobody in, in this country, I, I don't think, would want to see any single person die or any increase in road fatalities. Do you think this is the right move, though? Not at all. How could it possibly be the right move? I mean, what you're looking at straight away, right, is a situation whereby the legislation and the laws are there and the speed limits are there and they're ingrained into our psyche. They're like, this is there for the last 50 years as regards laws and liabilities, et cetera, et cetera, right? And longer than that even. But like the thing about it being is that because that's in there, right, it's like you, it's, you can beat a dead donkey, that's what you're doing. You're beating a dead donkey is what you're doing, you know? I mean, you, you mentioned there VRT, right? Uh, VRT was abolished Europe-wide, okay? Uh, I forget how long ago. It meant to be no VRT. Um, and what happens is because of the amount of taxation that the government make on it, okay, every year they get fined by the EU and they pay the fine. <laughs> the fine might be seven. The fine might be seventy million or whatever it is. An, 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 an Irish solution to an Irish right? problem, isn't it? Oh, look, there you go, you know. But I mean, like the point I'm making is that because there's legislation in effect for car drivers and laws and civil liabilities, all that kind of thing. There isn't anything there for anything that comes along. The other day, was it Saturday week last, I was heading down to Cork McSherry in the morning, about 10 o'clock-ish, happens nine actually, and there were several groups of cyclists on the road where you know you just go up just beyond Bandon and you turn off there for Cork Mac. Um, and what you have is I must have been either ring when I was going, the person I was going to, to tell them I was going to be late. There was no such thing as single file. They were all in a group. We're on a narrow country road. There's no, uh, not, not able to pass. Uh, there was two or three cars in front of me. I think there was a small van, was the fellow immediately behind the cyclist, and he dipped a couple of times to try and say, look, move, move over, right? Let us pass. And like he was giving a middle finger. Yeah. You know what I mean? That, that, that happened know, to me yesterday, not directly to me, yeah. but to the driver in front of me. Yeah. Yeah, but I'm just saying, it's like this, they, they, they don't care. Yeah, uh, look, they, I, 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 I don't want to cause any argument with cyclists, but, they, but these two yesterday were asserting their right to be abreast on the road, uh, yeah. blo- blocking cars from safely passing them. And they're the same people who would want uh, and demand that cars at all times, even when they're in single oh, yeah. file, you know, pass them safely. Yet, yet, yet they thwart cars from doing that by asserting their rights. But you see, it's, it's only their right to do that. If you look at the laws of the road, it's only their right to do that if it's safe to do so. Mm-hmm. They're, they're not obliged to do that at all times. If it's safe to do so, they can go to abreast. But if it's not safe to do so, they should not be going to abreast. It's all just right, another Pat. one of these things whereby, you know, that cyclists can do this and there's no laws or regulations to do them. There's no test, whereas... 
where the poor relations. But the, yeah, the car driver gets hammered and hammered again and again, increasing yeah. insurance yeah. costs, road taxation. Wonder how much of that yeah. goes into actually keeping our roads. Pat, thank you for and coming on the program this morning. Thank you. Cheers. Bye bye. It is uh, coming up on four minutes to eleven. This uh, in by I'm not sure as a text or email text actually. Uh, Mick, I believe Red FM is part of Virgin Media. No, we're not. Uh, so I'm unsure what airtime this will get. Well, I'm reading it now anyway. I cannot believe Virgin went out, of which we're not a part, uh, went with uh, the Gilligan show last night. I watched the first 15 minutes and turned it off. The smirks, the snippy comments. And when asked if he ever shot anyone, did you see what he said? With a smirk, he said, no, I didn't, and I won't do it again. It's an insult to the Gearan family, the Gardaí who risk their lives daily dealing with them, the decent people of Ireland and the state. Sponsors and companies on Virgin Media should now reconsider their support. However, Virgin has exposed the failure of our state to deal with major crime. The state has lost the war on drugs and the PC lot have ensured the Gardaí won't chase them. Gilligan and his ilk are laughing as the state spends money setting up injection centres rather than prison cells uh, for addicts who break into people's houses to pay the dealers. We shouldn't be pandering to the free legal aid bunch who get millions in taxpayer money to get criminals out on bail and into society again, putting us all at risk. They say, my client has found God. Please forgive their hundreds of previous convictions. We must wake up and fast because after the next general election, if there's a wrong government, uh, there could be a serious reduction in law and order. Russia and Iran could look like a paradise at that stage. So there we've read your text. And once again, we're not part of Virgin Media. Now... Renderville Show, Red FM. And to Hall, Is it Hall or Michael on line one? Michael. Hi, Michael. How are you? Uh, good morning, Mr. Malcati. How are you, sir? I'm very good, and I hope I can hold my temper talking to you. Why is that? <laughs> because there's one man in this country with more blood on his hands on road debts than any other person, and that is a so-called minister, Eamon Ryan. And why, why do you think that? Well, I tell you, there's 5.1 billion put aside by our government for national road projects between 1921 or between 2021 and 2030. And in the first quarter of this year, Eamon Ryan has reduced spending. The budget was 219 million and he spent only 122 million. You know, in the Doyle, Simon Coveney, Pascal Donoghue and Jack Chambers lacerated him for his lack of road projects. Michael Healy ran and becoming a great fan of his. He's the only guy that stood up and said, Eamon Ryan is the only minister in the history of the Irish state that doesn't build roads. He's the Minister for Transportation, but he doesn't build roads. Okay, where, where did you get your figures from? Are they freely available they're under, all, under, under Freedom of Information? Figures. Yeah, public figures, okay. Talk to Brian Caulfield. He's the Professor of Transportation in the School of Engineering in Trinity. And he said it makes no sense at all that we're not spending money on roads. With 2.8 million vehicles the highest number ever in the history of the state. Talk to Peter Burke. He's a Fine Gael minister in Longford. There's a stretch of road. It's the N4 between Longford and Westmead. It has 500 junctions. 
and there are serious accidents nearly every day. He says most of that stretch has safety hazards. And you talk about the 124 fat or 125 fatalities. 127. Six, 127 now. There's 600 people whose lives are totally changed. They're invalids as a result of road accidents. So obviously you, you are advocating for these bottlenecks to be eliminated. Why would Eamon Absolutely. Ryan and his party be blocking that or, or, or not be blocking them. proceeding with it? Eamon, Eamon Ryan has spent three more times on bicycle lanes and walkways than he has on roads. This is crazy. Crazy. He's getting away with it. He's talking about, you know, everyone has to turn green. The cars shouldn't be on the road. We should be walking. We should be on bikes. Who is he to say that? And if he had the Green Party at heart and the climate at heart, he'd go about our forestry situation instead of appointing the best possible minister to run our forestry. He shocked the dial and his own party by appointing the worst possible person. As Michael Healy Ray said, Pippa Hackett falls asleep during forestry meetings. I was watching Michael Healy Ray last night on TV. He he makes a lot more sense than he doesn't make. Would that be a fair... It's all common sense. But but then then you realise, yeah, he's actually talking common sense. Oh, yeah. But, you know, you obviously have driven between Castle Martyr and Killer. Oh, it's a disaster. A disaster. There are 44,000 vehicles on the N25 between Cork and Rosslare. You're held up there for an enormous amount of time in Killer. Oh, sorry, in, in Castle, Castle Martyr and then in Killer. What do you do? You're speeding up then to make up time. I may, um, our Cork TD, James O'Connor, he was going to quit his party because Eamon Ryan blocked the 54 million upgrade. Mallow is a disaster. Talk to Michael McGrath, the Tipperary South TD. There are so many councillors and so many TDs, practically in every one of the 26 counties. Looking at Eamon Ryan as the national enemy. Talk to um, the um, uh, the other guy here. I have it written down. Uh, he's in charge of the um, um, the Irish uh, infrastructure road infrastructure. Uh, Peter Walsh. He's the CEO of the uh, Transport Infrastructure of Ireland. Eight major road projects stalled or shelved. I mean, this is an absolute disaster. No wonder the Green Party is at an all-time low. Hopefully, and as one TD put it to me, if they go against him, Fianna Foyle and Fianna Gael, if they turn against Eamon Ryan, he'll bring the government yeah, down. Yeah, it's, 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 it's the old adage that the, the tail is wagging the dog. Oh, absolutely. And, and I take and, your point. At this stage of our development as a republic, we should have uh, the ability to drive from Cork to Limerick without having to go through uh, Buttevant and Charleville. And we should have the ability to drive between 
Cork and Waterford without the bottlenecks at Castle Martyr, Killa and Waterford City itself to uh, access uh, and get around isn't easy either. I know, absolutely. You know, um, I ran Adidas in Ireland for 30 years of my life and even though we were based in Cork, I was in Dublin nearly um, every week. And our roads have improved, but nothing as near as what they showed. And as you rightly said, you know, Cork to Limerick, the development there stalled again by Eamon Ryan. But why, no why would we- gas-guzzling cars, as they call them, backed up in their hundreds outside places like Castle Martyr and Killa be appealing to Eamon Ryan? He's trying to stop emissions. Surely oh. if there was a bypass, and uh, the cars would get to where they're going more economically, more efficiently and with less emissions. Absolutely, 100% agreement. But Eamon Ryan comes along, he spends more than 100 million of taxpayer money um, on electric buses. He forgot about the infrastructure. So these buses are in Dublin, line idle, costing the taxpayer money by the hour for storage. And he gets away with it. It's unreal. Like, thank God, or despite him, our economy is ticking over, all the foreign investment. Only for that, we'd be in the Stone Age. Yeah, I wouldn't, you know something, you put it back in my head, I've, I've never actually interviewed uh, Michael Healy Ray, it's something I'd love to do, actually. Oh, yeah, he'd be well worth doing it. I'm delighted for him, you know, I didn't take much notice him for a long time, but as you rightly said, he's talking common sense. Yeah, the, like the, the Healy Rays can be seen to be entertaining to some elements of society. Uh, right. but, but Michael Healy Ray, I think, is as sharp as they come. He, know, oh, he yeah, knows absolutely. how to win over the electorate. He knows how to yeah. handle an election. Uh, he, he knows about vote sharing and surpluses by getting his brother elected. Uh, they, they are a tour de force in, in, <laughs> in, in Kerry. And, and, I agree and, with and you. to some extent, I, I imagine that uh, those in, in, in the power in, in Fianna Fáil are probably sorry now that uh, uh, Jackie Healy Ray, their, 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 their father, was kind of pushed aside from the party. True, true. Uh, all right, Michael, I, I, I know we've spoken before in a previous life and it's nice to talk to you again. Yeah, good to talk to you, Michael. Thank you. Thanks a million. Thanks all for the giving best. me the time. Thank no, you. No problem. Uh, let's go to line three and to James. Hi, James. Yep. Hello. He wants, he wants to get us off the road, does he? Save the planet. Yeah, I think without a doubt, if he was the director of a company, he'd be he'd be sacked for reckless trading. What he's doing, and effectively, he's the director of a company. The company being Air and Corporate. His waste of money is unbelievable. It's unbelievable the waste of money. You're looking at a town like Bandon at the moment, covered in curbs, and a trickle of a road to get through it. Like some of the things he's doing, and you're talking about the speed and the gas vans made over two million in the last couple of years. More Gatsa vans means more profit. That's I don't, I don't think there'll be more Gatsa vans. It's just that they're going to have a bit of overtime. <laughs> more money still. And who pays for it? The taxpayer. And what's the situation in Bandon? At least Bandon has a bypass. It has, yeah. But, like, I mean, they've, they've spent... Like, that man, last man was so on the ball. He was so on the ball. I mean, the amount of money spent on footpaths at a time when there's no builders, apparently, or no workers available in Ireland, every town you go through, they're trying to stop traffic from getting through comfortably. Mm-hmm. Like, no doubt with this speed reduction, that's all about hurting the motorist. Like, the motorist brings in huge money. I mean, what he said about the buses, like, they brought in the buses there, they've, no, they've done parked or warehoused, they've no proper charging system, the software is wrong, and the drivers have to be retrained to use them. 
I mean, and they're sitting there and paid for, it, and there's two hundred more on order, or more possibly. I'd I'd be interested in in any comment, James, that would come from uh, the locals or the businesses in McCroom. Uh, it being probably the most recent town to be bypassed and long overdue, and it's a fantastic road, uh, and really yeah. shortens the uh, the distance and the time now. Maybe not the distance, but the time uh, to to get to Killarney and places west. Uh, oh, I, I wonder, because the town was choked with traffic, I, I wonder is it seeing a sort of a resurgence and a rebirth? So anyone I'm from McCroom would like to contact us, I'd love to hear from you on that one. Uh, and if, if, if it's working for McCroom, surely it'll work for Castle Martyr and Killer, for Butterfant, for Charleville. That's the point. The point is that the town is choked. Like, I mean, he has, he has stopped the Limerick to Cork road, effectively, for now, anyway, or stopped it. The one from, I think it was Dublin to Derry, that stopped, which is a huge one, or Dublin to Donegal, that stopped. How can one man have so much power? Because there are two other guys... Because there he's, hold, because he's holding the balance of it. Absolutely. The other two guys are sitting on their hands and afraid to say anything. I mean, the amount of money that's wasted, we're absolutely wasted. It's, it's unreal. I mean, he would be, if he was in business, he'd be out the door. I mean, the fines now are going to go up, probably. That's the one thing that's going to go up in the roads. It's all about money. It's not about safety. I mean, when you see a Gatso van's parked outside at, uh, our Kelleher's in Bandon regularly, how can you be doing anything for the safety of people with a Gatso van outside Kelleher's at the bus stop there? How can you be doing anything for speed? The ones in the tunnel, was that anything to do with safety? Nothing. I, I'm actually, I mean, I, I'm starting to believe the ones in the tunnel were just sort of a visible deterrent, and that they probably had more to do with uh, people getting used to the new new uh, road layout and actually slowing down to get used to it than than they had with revenue collection. I could be wrong. But perhaps, like, but you know, generally speaking, they're only parking in places where there's big turnover of vehicles that are going a little bit over the limit. I mean, it doesn't mean they're all dangerous drivers. Where are most of the accidents? The seven people killed in Tipperary in 10 days, was it? All on secondary roads or third-class roads. All on secondary or third-class. And many people have been killed on the motorway between Cork and Dublin. Uh, re- relatively you know. few, I would imagine, compared to what's uh, the fatalities on secondary roads. Yeah, it's not about... Speed kills, of course it does. Carelessness also kills. Phone, mobile phones kill. You know, distraction kills, all those things. So speed and water, the gas vans won't stop that. You know, I just don't know where it's going to finish up with that man. He has put so much money. He has taken away so much money. He doesn't want the motorist on the road. Every town you go through now, there's an effort being made to squeeze out the motorist. But there's no alternative. There's no public transport of any significance. None that would, uh, would help people. I know students that are travelling 30 kilometres to college. And, uh, and they can't get public transport, they have to bring their own cars. Mm-hmm. Just doesn't make sense. All right, listen, th- thanks for the call. We appreciate it, James. Thank okay. you very much. And uh, just want to get some text. Thank you very much. There are so many texts on speed limits now. It's just an inordinate amount. Uh, morning, make one of your previous textures just hit the nail on the head. People will still drive that bit faster than the limit on regional and local roads. And also, who's going to police it? Have you ever seen a Garda or a Gatso van on rural or local roads? It'll be bustle for a short time. Then it'll either be a moneymaker with private speed cameras put in place for revenue or it'll just be business as usual until until there's another sharp rise in road debts. Jack Chambers says another texture plans to reduce speed have been in place for a long time. And it'll be this time next year before it happens, he said. What's taking so long? Why are there so many narrow country roads allowed an 80 kilometre speed? 
Can they get anything right, says Anthony. Hi, Mick, I live by a primary school in Cork and the traffic on our road is very heavy. There are houses on both sides of the road, but this doesn't stop the Formula One drivers. There's no proper signs for the school and no speed bumps. My partner has uh, had to pick up three cats that got run over in this road. It's only a matter of time before it's a child. Should I get on to the council? Or the school uh, to sort this problem out. Can't come on air and love the show, says Mary Jane. It's mostly Audi, dri- mostly Audi drivers that speed and make dangerous choices. Three times this morning, three different Audi drivers. Also, it looks like Audi cars uh, don't have indicators. I thought that was the charge level to BMW, uh, BMW drivers that they uh, never indicate. I agree with you, Mick. Uh, I pass three places on a regular basis where those vans are, and I've never heard of an accident, not to mind a fatality. At those spots. Uh, Mick, the Gatso van is in the middle of Ballyvorney regularly now. Uh, the lack of road marking on rural roads is atrocious. I drove from Bandon to Kilbritton yesterday and there were no lines in a lot of it and it's bendy as well, says Martin. Hi Mick, we all know the stretches of road that could do with speed limit reductions but so too do we all know stretches of road that could do with speed limit increases. A blanket reduction will worsen the situation on stretches of road where a speed limit increase is warranted in the same way as a blanket increase would worsen the situation on stretches of road where a speed limit decrease is warranted. Fair point. If an uh, alteration of speed limits is the answer, it must be a bespoke policy tailored for specific stretches uh, of roads. Uh, P.S. We all know of the speedo vans parked up in safe stretches of road or is it the South Douglas Road outside the Texaco garage? Hardly an accident black spot, says our regular texture, uh, Richie in Toker. On the Dean Street eviction, what a contradiction. There are 750 Ukrainian refugees and tents on the list ahead of these tenants. The Socialist Party is the vanguard of the refugees or welcome rallies. Uh, can these fools not do simple maths? Uh, Ireland has consistently prioritised the need of anyone and everyone over the needs of Irish people. And uh, a criticism of me here, which I'm happy to take on board and admit, yeah, you're absolutely right. Uh, hi, Mick. Not at all in agreement with you there, kid. You've been doing a great job all week, but your comments bringing this problem of eviction in Cork around to Ukra- Ukrainians is just ridiculous and atrocious. Uh, this has nothing to do with the ongoing media circus around Ukrainian refugees and others coming into Ireland. Uh, the woman to whom you were speaking stopped you in your tracks and right she was. Uh, take care, says John in France. John, thanks for listening. And hands up, I do agree with you. I knew as soon as I framed the question uh, that if I didn't get uh, her to, uh, the, the Lady Kay to agree with me, uh, that I was going to be uh, kind of offside. And I left it uh, and, and I took the blow and the silence on the airwaves uh, would have said, no, I got that question wrong. Hands up, John. You were right. Well spotted. I felt uncomfortable as soon as I'd asked it. Uh, but I guess... We can't all be perfect, but I do take your point. I thank you for texting. Well spotted. Uh, I felt it myself, and you're absolutely right. Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prenderville now on 0818-104-106. Red FM. 29 minutes after 11. If the volume of text that's coming in this morning is anything to go by, there's huge emotion and there's huge investment in and around the speed limits and road safety, road fatalities, uh, the oppressed motorist, and all that kind of thing. We're triggering a lot of uh, activity uh, on the old text machine, which is literally smoking at the moment. So thank you to uh, everybody who sent in your, your text. We'll try our best to get around to them, but it is, after all, a phone-driven show. So back to our phone lines and to Tony. Hiya, Tony. Mike, how are you doing? Very good. The door just opened and I'm handed another five pages of texts. Other than that, <laughs> fine. I can imagine. I suppose, um, listen, 
there's so much going on with the last couple of weeks over accidents and so on and so forth. But the reality of all of this and the truth of all of this is our testing system, our driving testing system, our driving instruction system, the whole lot top to bottom is not fit for purpose. My wife is a driving instructor, right? And I spoke to her a search a while ago. A simple thing now, this is only one of a few things I'm going to find out to you. Um, a flashing beacon on a vehicle. Um, nothing at all. There's nothing at all in driving instructing to teach people what a flashing beacon is for. It's indicated a slow-moving vehicle on the road. Okay? It's not part of it. It should be part of it. A big bugbear of mine is um, she goes out and she gives driving lessons there around all the test routes in Cork. There's only one test route which will allow the car to go to 100 kilometres an hour. Maybe for a few seconds or whatever. It's not, not very, very much. It's all right. You pass your, you pass your driving test. And most of the driving test is probably between 10 kilometres an hour and probably 40 kilometres an hour. I can, see so where this, I can see where this is going, Tony. Before we go there... Um, do you think that your wife is a driving um, is she an instructor or a tester? An instructor. instructor do you think she right. would expect or would she advise the uh, the trainee driver to get up to 100 to try it out uh, well that's what she would do because depending on the stage they're on right but in most cases all people are interested in it get your test do your uh, lessons on the test route so that you'll be up to speed for your test it's no good Okay. It's the same with trucks. So, I, operate, I, operate, I operate a haulage business. Same with trucks, right? You're taking out there on probably a truck weighing about 12 or 14 tonnes uh, to do your test. And the next you're given a full load of truck of 46 tonnes. Totally different animal altogether, you know? Okay, but so the look, whole system needs to change. I, I don't want to preempt your point, but I think I know where you're going, so carry on. So, like, you know, the government needs to look at this. They need to re examine the whole thing. Another part of it there is uh, when you pass your test, you are then entitled to go on a motorway, which is 120 kilometres an hour. You were never on a motorway before. The key word there is when. I knew that's where you were going. Sa- yeah, sa- you're sa- you're same right. with the trucks. You've got different weight uh, and, you know, di- different reactions to driving and to braking and all that sort of thing. Absolutely, right? So, now can you go on all of this? So, the government need to wake up. They can put up what signage they want, where they want, and when they want. There's one, there's one uh, road in Glanmire where I live, and it's same post at 80 kilometres an hour. If you drive your rally car through, I know because we do a bit of rally. If you drive a rally car through that, you'll be lucky to get 80 kilometres an hour on that road. So, like, again, the, those signs need to be changed anyway, but they're going to do absolutely nothing to prevent accidents. You go back to my time when I done my test, the only thing you could get insurance of was an 8 horsepower car, right? Fiat 127, 4PS or something like that, mm-hmm. right? Cars are different today. Cars are load 130, 140 miles, uh, miles an hour for you today. So, like, the whole thing needs to change back to what kind of a car you start off with, um, be taught properly on how to drive a car at 100 kilometres an hour, which is quite nice to do. So, the whole thing, like, there are young people out there today, I'm not saying this is what happened in recent accidents, not saying it at all, but there are young people out there, they yeah, passed their test doing probably a maximum of 40 or 50 kilometres an hour. They're probably after getting lessons up to 100 kilometres in places, but not much. And next day, all of a sudden, they're giving a load of going at 100, 100 kilometres. Yeah, that's the kernel of your point, really, that the, the instruction yeah, and the testing system does not prepare you. Not, I mean, if, no. if, if, if there are fatalities on motorways, and we all know there are, uh, if there are serious accidents without fatalities on motorways, and we all know they are, uh, then why isn't a section of motorway involved in the driving test? Well, if I could make a suggestion on it, right, um, the suggestion I would make is when you pass your test, you see, there's another part of it that doesn't fit in. When you pass your test, you're given a certificate. 
then you go to the local authority and you get your license, your full license, right? Now, you still can't drive unaccompanied while you have that certificate. You must have the actual license in your hand. What you should do again, come to come up to the modern times, have a section down on the bottom of that passport that you must get a driving instructor to sign you off on two hours lessons on a motorway after passing your test. So in my case, we just sent on my wife's case there, so she has somebody there for driving lessons. They go and they get, they get through the test, they pass the test. Right, they have a full license now. Down on the bottom, there should be a, a section where they get a stamp that they've done two hours on a motorway. So they go back to her after they have that and she give them two hours in on a motorway. Or 100 kilometres with exits and slip roads on and, and, and that kind of thing. No, or whatever, whatever it might you be. Need, you, need, you need to go 120 kilometres an hour. Mm-hmm. You have to. No, no, but I'm, I'm saying you could do 100 kilometres of driving or 150 oh, kilometres of driving. Uh, yeah, but of course you would come up to the speed limit to give you that experience. But it would also have to include, you know, pulling into a, a, a filling station or a rest stop Absolutely. or a lay-by or, or, or something like yeah, that. How to do it. How to do all this correctly. It's not in the criteria. That's it's a very good idea. Have to, have to hand it to you, Tony. That's a very good idea. Yeah, so like you've got all this, right? Again, like as I said, you're a, search, a fashion beacon. Um a lot of people don't know what a fashion beacon is. It's okay for me. I'm in the haulage industry, right? Um, I know all these things. I grew up with this, right? So I understand all this. There are quite a lot of people out there maybe working in factories or whatever, right? That would have absolutely... They just have their car to get to me to be. How often would you see a flashing beacon on the, reg- um, on the regular test routes of a driving test? Never. There you go. They're always so on motorways. They're, most, they're mostly on tractors, right? They're mostly on tractors, slow-moving slow vehicles. That's what yeah. they're on, right? But again, go back to my point. On, when you're getting your lessons from a driving instructor, there is nothing about a flashing beacon. What's it for? It's so not, not part of the, of the theory, not part not of any part of the instruction. Of it. It's not part of any of it. So, like, this is where we're going. This, the whole criteria from top to bottom is not fit for purpose. It's probably 50, 60, 70 years old. Like, as I said, right, when I done my test, I done it in a Fiat 127, right, a uh, uh, 900cc car. If you were to do 80 kilometers an hour on that thing, it would weigh right out from underneath you, right? Yeah. We are in a small car today, a one litre car today, which will do 150 kilometers an hour for you. It's a totally different thing altogether. So, like, we're, we're 30 years behind. The government need to wake up a small bit. I know it'll probably cost a few quid here and there to people who cringe and quibble about that. But, I mean, at the end of the day, most of your driving should be done at 100 kilometers an hour to learn how to do it properly. Fair point. Once again, I got to hand it to you, Tony. That that is probably one of the best points we've come across uh, in my time on the, in this stint on the show. Just one more thing there, now, and it's a bugbear of mine, especially because I drive trucks every day of the week, right? Uh-huh. Uh, cyclists, right? There's a rule there that you must get a cyclist whatever, one point five meters or two meters on when you're over. At, at least a meter, right? anyway. Absolutely, right? I do a lot, of, a lot of work with trucks around the city, and the problem I see with all of this with cyclists is we've got to give the cyclist uh, two meters, one point five, two meters. But then what happens when you're stopped in traffic and the cyclist does, doesn't give you the same, um, the same, the same distance? Come out the low road now, for instance. If the traffic is slow, come out the, road, the low road. You've got a cyclist come up between you and the footpath. The truck is taking up most of the width of the road. And what does this guy do? He comes up on the left-hand side, and if you move off, strong possibility you'll jam in. So they can do all the statistics they want about uh, fatalities on roads. Some of these fatalities, not all, but some of these fatalities, they can be self-inflicted when it comes to cyclists. What I put out there is 
cyclist, stay away from trucks. Trucks are prepared to stay away from you. Stay away from trucks. Especially underpassing them or coming, coming on the inside between a truck and a curb. Well, the rule states you must overtake on the right. Yeah. Why can't cyclists do the same? Okay, fair point. But listen, I tell you what we'll do. We'll, we'll take your idea of that further endorsement of motorway driving while you're waiting uh, for, for that licence. Let's take that to the Minister for Transport, shall we? Oh. Absolutely. It's Eamon Ryan. Thanks, Tony. Yeah. Thanks, Tony. <laughs> Cheers. No problem. Terry, good morning. Hello, Mick. How are you going? Very good. You're kind of on the similar vein, are you, to, to Tony? I am. It's, it was lovely to listen to Tony because he's a truck driver. And, and be honest with you, when you're working in trucks, you see everything, even in the nighttime and everything like that. And every point he made was right. But um, before I make my point, he came up across there with the speed limit in Glenmire. Um, I'm familiar with Glenmire. And why aren't they changing that to an 80 kilometre to a 30 kilometre zone? <clears throat> the reason why that is, the councils all over Ireland, they get these um, letters in from people saying that they're, they're speeding or from the guards or whatever. They have to wait every five years to put in that request for it to, for it to come from Dublin. And I put in one there two years ago and it's up this year. So all the speed limits are, re, are going to be looked at this year. And then when, when they're all done this year, it's not going to be for another five years. Why is it taking five years like Okay, five years, that seems like a long, long time. Yeah, and that's what the council is telling me. But what I'm, well, that's on Terry's point there, but what I'm saying, Mick, I drove trucks for 25 years and we were restricted, we'll say, in the last 15 years to 55 kilometre miles per hour. Yeah, that's about 85, isn't it, or 90? It's just 85, 90, yeah. It, it, it gives you the extra bit to pass out or whatever. But what I'm saying, Mick, is looking at the internet there this morning, that in the last 12 months from the debt on the road was from 16 to 24 years of age. And they can get into a fast car and drive. And even in the night times, you'll see when we're all in bed, you can hear them doing donuts and the works or whatever. But they should be restricted. Like Tony said, go back to the one the 1.1 car. They should be straight restricted until they're 26 to drive in any car at 55 miles an hour put the restriction into the car and let them pay for it. And when they come out of the restriction, when they're 26, I can guarantee you they won't go speeding. It's an interesting idea. I I know there was an insurance company, something along the lines of, let's call it Digibox. uh, And and you put this smart box in in the glove compartment and it tracks your driving. It gives you much cheaper insurance, but it knows if you've broken any speed limits. Yeah, but it doesn't tell you, it doesn't allow you to, to speed. What I'm saying, the government should make this a law. The mind about going around reducing the speeds, we're all, we're all capable of up driving. But when the young lads are driving or whatever, that they, they love speed. To be honest with you, I have one myself. He loved it. And the people, like you can see it in the night times, the speed that they're doing, it's just crazy, Mick. Well, there's, there, there, there's a converse to that and that any of the younger petrol heads, I call them that loosely, any of the young car fanatics or car fans... Uh, value their license. Uh, never touch a drop of drink and, and get behind the wheel, etc. No, they so don't. And that's there's two sides that, that. that, that, Yeah, they love their cars and this and that, but it, it speed is the problem. And there was dead steering in Tipperary, and if speed wasn't the problem, the two people that were driving the cars were under 25 years of age, and it was the worst thing ever. But what I'm saying is, if the cars were restricted, and even if they lost control at 55 miles an hour, 
the debts wouldn't be there. Yeah. They wouldn't be there, Mick. Would you take it that lowering speed limits, uh, you know, if we need it, no. if it saves lives? No, because you have, like, your Perfect. man was talking to you this morning about Castle Martyr. You get caught up in Castle Martyr and you're heading to wherever. And meet so you're heading to Waterford. Once you hit the motorway, yeah, you're, you're going to hose then it the a minute you, Yeah, the minute you come out, you're going to start You're going to start racing then again to make the, make the meetings and all that. Like, I just think they should leave the speeds the way they are, but calm down on the people that's dying on our roads. It's the young people that's causing it at all and causing it to themselves and to their families that's left behind as well. Well, that's kind of tarring them all with one brush, which is kind of, which is kind of unfair. Well, it's not really, Mick. We were all 23 and 24 and 22 and we all did what they're doing now. But we were in lesser powerful cars, like Terry said. But they're in, they're in seriously, 2.2-litre um, um, engine which can go up to 140 to 150 miles an hour. Mm. Can, can, I, can I put a point to you? With the, with the advent of electric cars and the real, real push, there's a stronger push in us to buy electric cars now uh, than there was in us to, to, to buy diesel cars 15, 20 years ago. Um, I would feel that if you have an electric car, there's not much point in having it if it's being charged by electricity created by fossil fuels. Well, what, if, what if there was a law that if you have an electric car, it must be charged by solar, by wind or by wave? What's the point well, otherwise? Yeah, I agree with you there. Yeah, but like we have, if we're going electric, we have to charge them somewhere and we're not going to be charging them that way. That's going to cost serious money. But just don't even put that on the aim and line. Do you, do you know the, the other advantage of electric cars? Ultimately, and I would imagine in our lifetimes, if we're all driving electric cars, whether we want to or we don't, uh, they won't need any Gatso vans. They'll just, it'll just be an automatic fine when you break the speed limit. Oh, I know what you're saying, yeah. Yeah, I know what you're saying. We'll all be driving around in the, in the Matrix, on the web. Yeah, but Mick, that's going to take until 2030 or 2035. What what debts are we going to still hear next year or the year after? Uh, the I'm, year after? I'm, I'm not making light of any efforts that are being yeah. made, genuinely made, to reduce the number of, of, of road debts. We're just looking at the sensibility of people being they're delayed both. and then speeding up and could potentially have an accident. But if, if but the lowering of speed limits... They're probably professional drivers, Mick, that's on the road all the time and well capable of doing it. But what I'm saying is anything under 26, from the 6th until they get their licence up to 26, restrict them. Restrict them and, and let them know that what's, what driving is all about. Well, tw- tw- 20, tw- 26 is, is probably a bit much. It's, it's 25 for open driving at the moment, I think. But what if it was four years after your licence? Five years? Yeah, four years after your licence. To be honest with you, it taught me a lot to drive. You're still going to get to the same place well, whatever time you get there, you're still going to get it in, in, there, in a truck if you're doing 90 miles an hour or 55 miles an hour. Yeah. And to be honest with you, it taught me a lot that when I get into my car, I have a powerful car. I don't speed in it. But when I was 22 and 21, I didn't care. I did speed. But it's, it's nice to have, as an, as an experienced driver, the bit of welly, as they say, if you need it, because you could be just, just about overtaking uh, and maybe something happens, maybe a car comes at speed against you or something, and you need to really go for it to get That's in. It. Nice to have that yeah. bit of power, but nice to respect the the rules of the land as well. And uh, let, let's hope whatever measures are arrived at and put in place, that we do reduce the needless fatalities that are happening exactly. on our roads. Uh, Terry, exactly. thanks, th- thanks a million for all of that. Great stuff, thanks. Cheers, it's a quarter to twelve. The Neil Prendeville Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday, 0818 104 106.
It is 12 minutes to 12 midday. Uh, once again, congratulations to uh, Julie Haynes and our former production colleague here on the Neil Prendeville Show, Brenda Dennehy, for their sold-out show in the Opera House and their continually growing uh, level of success on their podcast. Speaking of success, uh, if we gauge this programme by the uh, public interaction, I honestly haven't seen uh, public interaction by text and phone call like this uh, since we did a tour special on the menopause and uh, hormone replacement therapy. We had such a volume of uh, contact with the programme and uh, I can see it being matched today. Uh, and I'm sure it's something we'll get back to tomorrow. I want to change subject in a couple of minutes before we uh, leave you for the day. I uh, just want to get to some of the hundreds of texts. Uh, on electric scooters and disabilities, it's Paris, Mick. Paris has completely banned electric scooters. Uh, my husband is severely visually impaired. Uh, impaired and he was trying to cross the road by the Imperial Hotel at the traffic lights when the green man was up and electric scooters just kept going and nearly knocked him down. This has happened before. The disabled parking on the South Mall on the right-hand side when you get out of the car, you have to pass through the cycling lane. Uh, brains to burn for whoever uh, designed that. Uh, should anything happen to my husband, I'd be going straight to the City Hall. Uh, putting cycling lanes where pedestrians walk, it's ridiculous. And I've obviously uh, raised the ire of some cyclists as well. Uh, tell Mick that road tax doesn't exist and it isn't the cyclists that have killed uh, 127 people to date. I'm looking for a little bit of paper because it uh, it fits in here. But we did have... Oh, I'll have to do it in the morning. Uh, we did have a response regarding the uh, pedestrian crossing at the very busy junction at the CUH. But I'll get to that uh, in the morning. couple of texts before we take our final caller on speed limits and driving. Why do they have an 80-kilometre sign just 200 yards from a T-junction? Regarding the Grastover Road, uh, that's the one in Goline with an 80-kilometre limit. It's not a target to hit. It's a top speed to drive, if safe to do so, believe me. It's not safe to do so. We have a road where the speed limit is 50 kilometres an hour on one side and 60 on the opposite side. Another text just says, reducing the speed limit will do nothing as people will break it anyway. Increase the penalty points is the answer from three to five. A harsher punishment and they last for three years. So a higher risk of being disqualified sooner. People shouldn't be worried about where the speed vans are if they're doing the limit or less. If uh, the RSA trained drivers... Uh, properly instead of training them to pass a test uh, our roads would be a lot safer the guardy need need to enforce the speed limits instead of posing for photos with people Uh, okay and one more uh, regarding narrow country roads why aren't farmers compelled to cut back their ditches Uh, the roads are narrow enough uh, but the out of control hedgerows on both sides make it extremely dangerous that's a point actually that was made by Michael Healy Ray uh, on TV last week something I hadn't thought of but it does make sense they're supposed to cut these hedges back but most don't do it uh, why doesn't the council compel them to do it uh, says Patricia well Patricia the, the council were uh, given that uh, responsibility and I think funding was taken from them uh, to, to do so uh, with a diktat that uh, the the farmers need to, need to do it now that's essentially what Michael Healy Ray was saying let's see if we can get to speak to Michael Healy Ray at some stage before I leave the programme on Friday week. But we're going from speed on the roads to speed dating. And uh, to talk about that, uh, and the Feast Cork Food Festival in East Cork is Jolene Cronin. Morning, Jolene. Oh, hang on. Not working. Uh, just one second. Line two. Beg your pardon. My fault. Hi. How are you? How's I, it going? I, uh, you'd be distracted. There's so many things going on here, Jolene. That's all right. Well, from speeding on the road to speed dating, you got it. That's a good segue, all right, for what what is coming up tonight at uh, Feast Cork. 
Speed dating. So, so this is where. Let me see if I can well, guess. Uh, it's not with, quite with feast, with feast and food in the name, uh, you, you're going to go for dinner and uh, and try and hit it off pretty quickly. It's almost like a, uh, it's long, is it like a blind date? Well, it's a little bit spicier than that. Tell this us all about it. Called, I will. It's called blind tastes, and it's happening tonight in Puckerbilla in Ballinrostig as part of the feast food festival. So. What's going to happen? We're going to have a load of uh, enthusiastic guys, and I'm looking for a few more of you fellas, right? They're going to be blindfolded, and the women are going to feed them a food that represents their personality. They're going to be able to pick the food from a table of all sorts of delicacies, and each couple are going to have five, ten minutes to chat to each other, and everyone will get to meet everyone else. So this is absolutely going to be the crack tonight. <laughs> Something different. <laughs> it, sa- it sounds great. Um, I- I'm not surprised you've a shortage of guys willing to be blindfolded and go through that. Oh, and I don't know why, because this is like absolutely just going to be the crack. You know, we're going to take it with a pinch For of salt. For who? For the absolutely women? Absolutely not too serious at all. Come on. You yeah, you're, 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 hang on a second. You're sitting there blindfolded and there's 50 women laughing at you. Ah, no, they're not laughing at you, they're laughing with you because this is meant to be fun. Okay, so Joe says, I'll go tonight, and he meets Mary below. So he goes in, he doesn't see Mary at all, he's blindfolded going in, is that is that right? Um, well, we're going to have to get him down at the table at some point. So, um, and blindfold you know, him he's then. he's sitting down and comfortable, then we'll blindfold him, don't worry, we're, you know, Joe will be fine. And Joe will be tempted to some absolutely lovely food as well. Um, so, yeah, Joe's got absolutely nothing to worry about. <laughs> uh, and what's the progress of, of, of the food? Is he going to get a starter taster, then a main course taster? and no, He's going to get three, gonna a, three spoons for his dinner, is he? <laughs> it's going to be a little bit more relaxed than that. It's certainly not dinner. It's more um, of a taste of love, really, is what we're looking for here. So, I think, like banana splits, maybe some popcorn, a little bit of maybe fiery relish and cheese. It's kind of where I'm going with this. Like, So, you know, use your imagination as to what that food can portray. And that generates conversation. And does Joe then have to have to guess what food he's eating? That's up to the ladies. That's up to up to the date themselves. And they can kind of chat about uh, about whatever they like, because I guess it's part of the mystery, really. Like, And I think there's a bit of fun involved and that the girls can, you know, uh-huh. How, how do the ladies? How do the ladies choose what table to go to, and how do they know about food allergies and all that? Oh yeah, okay. So anybody who's signed up, I've I've sent a little note that there is food allergies, and I'm not going to be putting like a whole bunch of nuts there, even though this is a nuts event. And <laughs> um, so, so no, I'll, de- I'll definitely be choosing the the food um, wisely in that department. Um, and if anybody is worried about um, you know particular foods, certainly uh, just give me a nod, and I'll I'll make sure it's not going to you know, be a problem for, for anybody. Okay, how, how many ladies, how many guys at the moment? Okay, so I'm looking for some fellas. I'm short two at the minute, and I've got a wait list age of group? women. Is it necessary uh, to 30s have... And uh... 40s, 30s and 40s suggested age group. And if people want to sign up, look up Blind Tastes Feast Cork, and, and all the information will pop up, and hopefully I'll see you tonight. So it's Feast Cork and East Cork. Where's Ballinrostig? East Cork. Ballinrostig is close enough to Middleton, kind of so, yeah. Middleton and Whitegate. Um, and there's actually loads of events going on all over East Cork for the East Cork Food Festival. Well, the hub of it, I guess, is in Middleton. And um, there's stuff happening like from Bally Brannigan Beach with a beach clean, Bally Maloo House. And there's stuff going on in Inch Hideaway. And um, here we are down in Ballinrostig. So there's loads of stuff going on all over the whole area. And of course, the big main day then as well for the festival is on Sunday in Middleton Town. Okay, give, give us that contact detail again. So Feast Cork. 
com, and we are hosting the Blind Tastes speed dating event tonight. It's and just so fast, you're aware, it's, it's going to be fiery. It's, it's only the guys that are being blindfolded. And, and do, do, do the ladies then get to come in and say... Oh, even with a blindfold, I wouldn't go near him. Do, 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 do they get to check out the merchandise, as it were? Well, do you know what? Like, I mean, let's just see what happens. Can you, can you imagine, thing. though, just in, you know, in the interest of fairness, if, if it was the yeah. ladies being uh, blindfolded and I said, do the guys get a chance to check out the merchandise? There'd be holy <laughs> war. Well, I'll tell you what now. This thing is open to interpretation. It's a new kind of concept and event that I've kind of thought about. Um, I'm open to seeing how it goes. So if the feedback comes in that the guys and the girls both need to be blindfolded, All right. perhaps the next time that we run it. Well, it seems like you're up for the crack and it seems like your ambition here is for everyone to have a good fun night. So we're all for That's that. That's what it's all about. And let us honest. know if there's yeah. any romance blossoming from the evening, will you? Well, I hope so. I okay. hope so. Jolene, there should be. Jolene Cronin, Feast Cork Food Festival in East Cork. Thank you very much for coming on the programme this morning. Take care. Thank you very much. And that uh, wraps things up for the morning. Uh, My thanks to the show's producers, Seamus Whelan, Clara Connor, and Lee Foley. And with the hundreds of texts left over, I'm sure we'll get back. Lee Nagel. Oh, sorry, I got the wrong. Sorry about that, Lee. It's Lee. I thought it was Lee Foley. Lee Nagel. And uh, my thanks to uh, all three of you and uh, hundreds of texts. We'll come back to some of the topics tomorrow morning after news at nine. Have a great day. For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts.